This is WWE Hall of Famer and legend from the Legion of Doom Road War Animal. And I'm listening to the Attitude Era podcast. And I know a lot about attitude. Ugh, what a rush. Attitude Era Podcast, episode number 34, and it's the Royal Rumble 2001. I am very disappointed I can't go 2000 yeah, anymore. that's gone. That has like literally been one of the most fun things for me about this. I just love like adding the word 2000. <laughs> you can see that and then add and one. Yeah, I guess. Do you want to try that again? Royal Rumble 2000 and one. There you go. I always like the idea of like taking something beloved, okay, and then making it shit by having the number 2000 after it. <laughs> you guys aren't ready until you get ready for the Dudley Boys 2000. <laughs> We've made a few changes, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, Royal Rumble 2001 coming to us from New Orleans in Louisiana. However, once again, I'm Kevin Mann, joined in this review of the Attitude Era by my cohorts, comrades, and colleagues, first to my right, he's ready to wrestle rock Royal Rumble, it's Mr. Adam Bibolo. Hello there. How's things? Good, good. I'm so glad to talk about this one. Last Royal Rumble of the Attitude Era. Yep, this is it. Do you remember how much we were pissing ourselves when we did the first Rumble? Because it was like, oh, it's going to be too hard. It's 30 minutes. We've got this down now. I think so. Yeah. I'm looking forward to doing this one. We're on the road to WrestleMania 17 at last. It's fucking fantastic. And to my right, unquestionably the baddest man on the planet, Mr. Billy Cable. Hello, Billy. Hello there. Are you looking forward to talking about the Royal Rumble? Absolutely. It's been a highlight pay-per-view, I think, since so far. I mean, 99 Rumble, awesome. 2000 Rumble, awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping for, for big things with this one as well. Uh, before we get started on the pay-per-view, though, i uh, got another WWF magazine to take a look at this time. Now, this is kind of... Uh, can we say this is a main comeback now, officially? A little bit. I think they maybe started putting a bit more effort into the covers Good. over at WWF magazine, because it's been improving, at least. As opposed to the ones before, where it was just like a picture of Steve Austin with the caption, Steve Austin is a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> he wrestles for WWF. <laughs> well, you basically have got that again with Taz this time. <laughs> it's a black, white, and orange photo of Taz that says "Tales from a Hood" on it. From a hood, a hood, some hood somewhere. But oh wait, no. So does that mean tales from? Because if you said tales from the hood, I thought you meant the neighborhood, as in Red Hook. Yeah. But tales from a hood, as in a hoodlum. Oh, he's yeah. a hood. Oh, that's what I mean, a hood. I mean, this hood, preposition. Hood life born, hood life bred. And when I'm done, I'll be hood life dead. But the best thing about this is in the corner, there is a special feature on the Mummy Returns inside. <laughs> <laughs> Mummy Returns sweepstakes? Yeah, apparently so. So obviously, Dwayne was off to go and be the Scorpion King. Around the Dwayne time. Johnson Rock. Yeah, also known as The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. It's nice to see Taz um, climbing the ranks once again by making a... Why is he fucking featured on the magazine? <laughs> what, what? How will the poster child of the WWF fare in tonight's offering? We'll I don't know. soon see. We'll soon see. I, I like to think that what's brought the magazine covers back from the brink is not so much the covers, but the little corner seems to be... Yeah, that's where the action's at. <laughs> the action. Mummy returns. Austin, Austin, Austin. 
Right, I, I hate to break it to you, but I mean, we've got a bit of a mad one on our hands before we get into the rumble here tonight, folks. Okay. At the end of the last episode, we mentioned how Mick Foley was out as commissioner, and Vince McMahon, of course, was now back in control again, meaning, Mr. McMahon was back! <laughs> I remember as a kid, he went, you know what that means, Mr. McMahon is back, and I was like... But you're you're Mr. McMahon. <laughs> You've been on TV for like fucking three years. You never. You're of course you're back. You're here. But this is a thing with Vince. Mr. McMahon and Vince McMahon are two separate characters. Oh yeah, they yeah. always have been. And he wanted us to believe that the guy who was coming out to lobby against Armageddon and Hell in the Cell and all that that was Vince McMahon. But now that he's CEO, oh. he's once again. Mr. McMahon. It's like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of scenario, though. It's Mr. is not a fucking catchphrase. It's it's a, actually it's a title you give a man. <laughs> I bet I bet like Vince McMahon was sat at home one day, like in his office, and then he looked in the mirror, and Mr. McMahon was in the reflection. <laughs> Follow the cold chill that runs down your neck. God damn it, Avenge me! <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Vince, how did he come back into control? Linda McMahon is a little bit sick. We talked briefly about Mad Mad. Mad, mad, Vince McMadman, in the last episode, talking about how it seemed that Vince had to have 20 minutes per episode of Raw. And even on SmackDown, Vince was coming out having these lengthy promos. Basically, the crux of this storyline is midlife crisis, Vince McMahon feuds with his personal life. And... It starts when Vince is kind of, he's pissed off at Linda because Linda and Mick had obviously been working against him for so long. And he had this face-to-face with Linda in the ring on SmackDown. And it was really awkward. Because Linda, how would you describe Linda as a performer? Uh, Not a performer, performer, I think would be the best way. Bless her, not a performer. Can you imagine a 20-minute promo where Linda McMahon wearing nice Gansey that she's going to go wear to Sunday lunch. Beige, no doubt. Literally stood there in the middle of the ring as a bright red Vince McMahon details how he took her virginity (laughs) in the back seat of a Chevy Impala. And he said that had he not married Linda, Shane actually would have been a bastard. (laughs) And he goes, you know what you are? You're a no good rich bitch. And basically, he, his idea was that he was playing up to this thing that no one in the crowd knew this. We hadn't read your Playboy interview, Vince. We hadn't seen McMahon on DVD. But as you know, Vince McMahon came from a trailer in Connecticut. Mm. Like he would say he's like hillbilly, fucking trash, redneck kind of thing. And Linda is actually from Connecticut. The wealth, yeah. So he was trying to play up this kind of like, ah, oh, he always thought I wasn't good enough for you even though he's a, a legit shoot billionaire. Yeah. And it was hard to kind of care about that as he's just shouting and screaming at Linda. And then he went, read my lips. <laughs> you read my lips, Linda. From this moment, from this moment on, the hell with WWF fans. From this moment on, the hell with my family. And as far as my marriage is concerned, as far as my marriage is concerned, I want a divorce. I want a divorce. <laughs> Translated roughly into English, Linda, I want a divorce. And Linda walks off with streams of tears running down her face. And she's not seen for a while. And it's kind of like, Vince is like, yeah, I put her in her place, kind of. That's all well and good. Stephanie then 
comes back and starts um, you know talking to Vince because Stephanie you know she's a heel she's kind of mm. like, you know things aren't so good with mom maybe you can pass things up and he's not hearing any of it he's on a big power trip at the moment Stephanie then goes into Vince's locker room once on Smackdown and she's like right dad you need to know something there's some important things happening here Linda is really really sick Stephanie says like she's lost like loads of weight this last week she's like lost like 10 20 pounds she's kind of getting gaunt and Vince's like ah she always could have stood to lose a few pounds oh, oh god <laughs> And then Stephanie's like, no, seriously, she's like, hasn't spoken to me or spoken to anyone or even spoken since, you know, you did that on SmackDown. And he goes, ah, she never did shut up when I was going out with her anyway. And then Stephanie goes, all Linda can do, Dad, is lie in bed motionless and do absolutely nothing all day. And Vince goes, ah, that kind of rings a few bells when I was in bed with your mother. Oh. And uh, Stephanie at this point went, Dad, you really can creep me out sometimes. And uh, yeah, he ended up kicking Stephanie out of his life as well. Because Stephanie was like crying, saying, Dad, please take back mine. He goes, And you get the hell out of my life and stay out as well. You're also a rich bitch. <laughs> your brother could have been a bastard. Chevy Impala. I had sex with your mother to make you happen. <laughs> All that. And Stephanie runs out in floods of tears. I'm like, The Stooges leave Vince. God. Also, during this whole time, though, Vince has got a cane yeah. as well. Because of the old so he's man. Like, Vince again, waving his cane, going, ah, I'm going to divorce everyone. <laughs> so, yeah, had a little bit of a nervous breakdown. Yeah. As Stephanie is running away in floods of tears, Vince McMahon promises that there's going to be a new Mrs. McMahon and that she was going to be voluptuous, be able to keep up with his considerable sexual prowess. <laughs> And he also guaranteed that she would be the same age as Stephanie. <laughs> he said he, to his daughter, weird. I'm going to have sex with someone that's your age. That's so oh. weird. People don't talk like that. No, they simply don't. Now, when people talk about Vince's kind of character going off the rails, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, this is mental. Yeah. yeah. And I like Crazy Vince. When Crazy Vince is going to get his comeuppance from Austin or The Rock or whoever, or he's trying to fuck someone over. But you had three months of this. Jeez. I remember as a kid as well, not understanding it one bit, because it just didn't make any sense. Like you said about the stuff where, you know, Vince wanted to get across that Linda was the rich one and he didn't, you know, he was always made to feel, like, worthless. Inferior. That did not come across at all. not at all. As a child, all I saw was like, oh, there's Vince and his wife and now he's decided that he hates her guts for no reason whatsoever. I mean, I guess if you look back at the past year... Um, well, King of the Ring, Linda's meddling and King all of that. the Ring 2000 where Vince kind of gave a summarization of like you know, she made Foley commissioner she made, brought Austin back you know she brought Foley back my charming wonderful beautiful meddlesome wife Linda you know I guess though, so, but I mean still it just came out of left field yeah it makes no sense for him to suddenly decide that he hates Linda particularly now. because as well after it's declared that Linda is not fit to be CEO anymore Stephanie just becomes mates with Vince again. Yeah. Even after he told her that he's going to have sex with someone in her age and that she was a rich bitch and she should get out of his life. Two weeks later. Do you reckon that was like a Stockholm Syndrome kind of thing? She's just yeah. terrifying. terrifying. I honestly just think she embraced the hate. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Stephanie, I wouldn't even stoop that low. 
And the crux of all this, the alluded to new McMahon, Vince was like on the on the Christmas episode of Raw and Stephanie was all like happy because Vince was in control. Vince was not there, he was volunteering at a soup kitchen. And like Stephanie's like, fucking Yeah, Stephanie's on the phone going like, Oh dad, it's great, like, you know, Foley's nowhere to be seen, you know, uh, we're really screwing everyone over. It was really like it became a heel show again, mm. with the heels getting that kind of power and the sway and the screw jobs and whatnot. And Vince is like, Oh, that's great, Stephanie. And all you can hear is like clearly Trish Stratus laughing on the other line, because he's clearly like doing things. Mm. And Stephanie goes, who the hell is that? Is that like, who's that woman you're with? And he goes, oh, I know, it's uh, some of the ladies here get a little giddy if they have too much soup. <laughs> <laughs> and the idea of Vince McMahon in bed, naked, with Tristan's going, ah, oh, no, she just had too much soup, that's all. <laughs> oh, God. Now, we've all been there. I sometimes have a little bit too much soup and get a bit randy, too. It happens. <laughs> We'll get into it more. Vince and Trish's love affair, the highs, the lows. I thought you were going to say we'll get into it more. Vince's obsession with soup. Did he have a <laughs> saying about May Younger's? Old chicken makes the best soup. Oh. And that is why he had sex with May Young. That is why he had sex At with Moolah's soup. At Moolah's funeral. <laughs> what about what an odd man? So yeah, not to overshadow the fact that it's the road to WrestleMania 17, the end of the Attitude Era, and the greatest pay per view of all time. Steve Austin's entered the Royal Rumble, The Rock has, The Undertaker, Kane, Triple H is challenging for the WWF Championship against Kurt Angle. It's a loaded card, it's Royal Rumble 2001. For 30 men, no other night in their life is as important as tonight. While 29 will fall, one will be given the chance of a lifetime. The chance to become World Wrestling Federation Champion. Most have never been there, gazing from afar at the gold, never closer to them than the sun, and never as reachable as tonight. This may be their only chance, so they will fight until the last drop of sweat hits the canvas, until they have seized their opportunity for distinction, or until their bodies come to the anguish. There are those who have been to the top, experiencing the WWE's most coveted prize. But to have been to Eden and tasted its fruit may be worse than never having been there at all. Tonight, these men are ravenous wolves on the hunt. Championship junkies fixated on victory. Tonight, 30 men are pitted against each other with one singular purpose, one common goal. If WrestleMania is the showcase of the immortals, then tonight, the Royal Rumble is the first step to ultimate glory. It was very nice to see in this video package that the Rumble itself was the true focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 2000, the focus was very much on Cactus Jack, Mick, Fo uh, Mick Foley, and Triple H. And 99, it was very I much Austin, Austin McMahon, and I quit as well. But here, there's like shots of like dramatic shots of every mid carter. Like on the roster. Did you know that we actually have B-roll of Bobby Cannon looking dramatic? It's amazing <laughs> to see it. It's amazing to see it. Like, you know, anyone could win. Even Bobby Cannon. Even this guy. Even, even this Joker. Yeah. Able to. I like the uh, the comparison of saying that uh, winning the having a shot at Bell is like being in the Garden of Eden and tasting its fruit. Its sweet, <laughs> delicious fruit. Like. And they also they also call the competitors in the Royal Rumble. 
Championship junkies. Champions? Junkies. I just need my fix of gold. <laughs> I like the, the, the fact that these all these like jobbers and mid cards just kind of go like flashes of them. And then there was a little bit, which was basically for the people who might actually win. Yeah. Where the music just kind of like turned up a little bit, and it's like, oh, here's the rock and Austin. Seriously. I mean, but seriously, I mean, Bull Buchanan, I mean, come on, for fuck's sake, what are you, an idiot? It's obviously <laughs> going to be one of these guys. The first step to ultimate glory. Freddie Blassie should have done this. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's quite sad that I think Freddie Blassie was like rather frail, and because mm. we think about Eseema at the time of invasion, he is in quite. The he's in the wheelchair, and he's. He can't open up those doors and let all the life flood in, you know. <laughs> Damn! Sadly enough, but a nice, pretty straightforward video package got me hyped up for the Rumble, which I was happy to see. Starting things off, it's a very hot crowd, sold out. All these pay-per-views selling out in a matter of, like, minutes, it seems. It's crazy. A hot crowd here. We're starting off with the Tag Team Championships on the line as Edge and Christian, who picked up the belts in Armageddon, are defending against those damn Dudleys. The story of this match is that the Dudley boys have got sweet, battered, concussed, juicy brains. I don't like the salacious talk about concussions. Like, Jerry sounds like it's his fetish or something. He's yeah. like, oh, I can't believe the Dudley boys' brains were scrambled and mixed up with concussion. He's beaten off over someone who's had a concussion. Like, that's fucking, fucking gross. Foul. This storyline is, like, aged so badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because at the time... I mean, I this really endeared me to the Dudleys because you'd rarely seen the Dudleys in such an underdog position. Yeah. The crux of this was that a few weeks before, prior to this, Edge and Christian just had the Dudleys number and they like gave them concertos. Like Dudleys would just be walking backstage and they would blindside them and just clatter them in the head, full on, no hands up, unprotected chair shots. And like Bubba Ray and Devon are covered in bruises. Oh. And Bubba looks really sore here. I don't know if that's just good selling or not, yeah. but this storyline, given what we know about concussions now, and even considering that I had heard that the policy was that they went back and they, they edited. Yeah, I was quite surprised this was still on the network then. Because um, I remember having like Hell in the Cell DVD and mm-hmm. all the stuff they say about like, you know, when Shawn Michaels gets hit with a head with a chair, and they're like, oh my God, is, he's not going to know who he is after this or. You know, my God, he hit him so hard, he forgot who he's married to, kind of, you know, Jeez. all that was been cut out. But here on the network, even though they go through it with pretty much a fine tooth comb, mm. Jerry and Jim Ross are talking about concussions, like, non-stop in this whole match. Uh, a recap of this concerto assault. What did you think of this? It was quite harsh, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, it was really quite extreme. <laughs> so hard, sad to see the Dudley was coming out going, Ugh. <laughs> They look like they've got dirty hangovers. Yeah. Die hard with a vengeance, kind of, <laughs> Bubba Ray and Devon in this one. Edge and Christian bail at the start of this match and, like, run away. The Dudleys come after them. But you have Bubba Ray, even when he's in control, selling his juicy, bruised brain. Yeah. It's like he pulls a punch and he's like... Oh. Or he does a slam and, like, blood comes out of his eyes or something <laughs> like that. He starts frothing at the mouth. It's fucking disgusting, like... Bubba Ray Dudley at one point puts Edge in the corner and gives him the infamous Edus punch. Where he says, and he punches him. Love that. Good mouthing. The Dudley boys actually dominate, but they do it in a way where it's kind of like the Dudleys know they have to end this match in five minutes, otherwise they won't remember who each other are. Yeah. They won't they yeah. won't know what their gimmick is anymore. They're desperate. They've been poisoned and they're losing health as the uh, match goes on. Edge beats Devon's soft, oozing, gelatinous brain. <laughs> That's enough now. <laughs> See, he just hits it, all this pink slime comes oh. out of him. Like, you know, it's, it's gross. I, 
in spite of this storyline being like really salacious and whatnot, I did like the psychology. I thought they actually worked this gimmick yeah. mm-hmm. really convincingly in terms of Edge and Christian were just like popping shots at the head and the Dudleys, anytime they did anything, it was like, oh, my brain, you know? Yeah. Edge shouts, I will break you like a twig at Devon, which was quite intense for him. And then uh, my favorite spot of this match, Edge picks up uh, Devon for a pile driver and like Christian's like, you do a pile driver, do a pile driver, do it. You're like, you'll kill him. <laughs> and Bubba Ray is going, no! <laughs> no! No! And Devon managed to reverse it, rallies, and gets the hot tag, which is not seen by the ref. Yeah. Mm. Right. Dudley's are masters at the bait and switch, seriously. Yeah. Biggest complaint of this match for me Here we is, go. is the refing and these moments. Oh, yeah. I don't mind if a, if a ref doesn't see the faces as one. But I really have an issue with... When they don't see the heels. When they don't, when don't see heels. Not when we just don't see heels, because obviously that's how heels are going to get their heat. But there's so many moments where Edge and Christian are doing all kinds of stuff which is illegal. And um, the ref is literally just stood in front of Bubba hmm. doing fuck all. Like normally that's a moment where oh, he's caught up with Bubba, Bubba's trying to get in. Bubba's stopped at this point. And then Mike Yoda's just stood there just staring at him and he's like hearing all this stuff happening I mean like Bubba's trying to point at him he's just going no maybe I'm looking, I'm looking at you mate maybe he's concussed as well then perhaps and it happens so much through this match it yeah. really takes away from it for me damn that's some sucks. piss poor ref in it there. happens a lot in the title because I was wondering if it was a ref but like Mike Yoda is like you know, he's, he's still solid. he's still there that will tell you yeah. his, his credentials as a referee but it seems to be kind of all, all time matches it seems to happen with like, yeah. one way or the other the concerto is attempted by Edge and Christian, but Devon dodges it and gets the hot tag for realsies this time. Bubba Ray Dudley clears house and Kevin marks out big time. A <laughs> what's up attempt? And then a big ass brawl. A quick roll up and Edge kicks out. So close. That so, because yeah. I really felt that Dudleys were going to win it with a roll up mm. or some kind of, yeah. if they were to win it. Get away with it. That had now. to be it. I'd love to see the Dudley boys are resorting to roll ups and yeah. quick wins and whatnot. A 3D is attempted, but Edge spears Bubba and he kicks out at the last yeah. possible fraction of a second. Edge and Christian once again attempt was up, which never works out for you lads. I mean, come mm-hmm. on. It's reversed though, and like Edge ends up falling off and hitting Christian in the dick, which is quite funny. Actual 3D, the Dudley boys win. And I will say this is like. For me, is like the Dudleys are my favorite tag team. This is like one of the most like kind of mm. emotional moments ever because they're like they were so battered and so bruised and sold the match so hard, and then they finally win. The look of pure joy and relief on their faces, like Bubba Ray just has the belly goes, yeah, yeah, like tears in his eyes, screaming. The, the faces and the screams are absolutely perfect. Here. Oh my god! And Jim Ross goes, those damn Dudleys did it! By God, it's like wow. The crowd explodes as well. Massive pop for the Dudleys. And you know what it is, right? It's not as if a writer has said, and we're going to make the title vision means loads because of this it's the reason the tag belts at this time meant a bit obviously you've got amazing teams but when these guys fucking win it's like they've won the world tag team championships yeah. that's what they the height of what they should aspire to and like the Dudley boys really treat it like 
It's a big deal. They nearly killed themselves in this match to win those belts just for a shot at it. I love that. It felt like in this period you had the singles competitors and the tag team competitors and they were two separate divisions yeah, exactly. almost. Nowadays it's sort of like, well, you're a tag team if you can't make it as a singles exactly. guy. It's and it's a like, yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, it's not important anymore. I mean, I think their only perception is reality. And when you have like a, a quick, easy storyline like this, which is just guys are injured. You don't have to go to the concussion stuff, mm. obviously. But guys are injured and they still win it anyway. And it shows you how much it means. That just means that those tag belts mean so much now. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's fucking awesome. Oh, that was an amazing match. Obviously, hindsight, the concussion stuff. Yeah. I didn't think that's kind of... But I guess if they edited on the network, it would have been a bit of a weird one. The match would have been really weird if they had no mention of the concussions whatsoever. Yeah. Why are the Dudley boys not doing anything? Like Bubba Ray had two paracetamol and a coffee and he still got a bit of a muggy head. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's selling so much. Backstage, WWF Hall of Famer Drew Carey arrives. This is. literally walking with, with gold appearing with each footstep, you know? What WrestleMania moment will you bring for us tonight, Drew Carey? How many memories will you weave? The most shameless, terrible celebrity appearance in wrestling. He, he has got a comedy uh, improv all-stars pay-per-view happening, just so you know. Yeah, he might have mentioned that once or twice. Can we just say this now? WWF 2001, January. Like, WCW was a non-factor. They were on top of the world. The height of ratings. Do they need... Do they need to do a thing with Drew Carey? I don't see how this benefits them at all. I mean, I knew I knew that this happened. I knew that Drew Carey was in a Royal Rumble. You, you knew because of the him going into the Hall of Fame and the yeah. people kicked up fuss. I did not know that it was in the Attitude Era. Yeah. It seems uh, like a really unattitude. I, I could see this in... Uh, 2005, 2006. Or him to guest host Raw or some shit. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. To be, you know, in... The Royal Rumble. Rumble in 2001 at the at the arse end of the Attitude Era. The hot, the real hot streak, yeah. like, like Drew Carey. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not needed, and like yeah. I only know Drew Carey from his run with um, Who's Line. Who's Line? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't even really know how popular Drew Carey is at this point in time. He was he, quite popular. He was in an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch around this time as well. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. He, he maybe he met Billy Gunn on set, and he's like, why, why don't you take my spot in the Royal Rumble? <laughs> <laughs> Drew was like this was he was very popular he was kind of I think because he's like a broad comedian you know he was a family comedian or whatever mm. so he had that kind of widespread appeal so he was very popular but I know that he didn't get the kind of he's a part of American family life kind mm. of that didn't happen until like mid 2000s where he took over it was either the Wheel of Fortune or when oh, he yeah. took over like player cards right it was like it was a big or family feud I think it was Wheel of family Fortune, feud or one of those mm. kind of big shows and that kind of made him part of the pop culture yeah. but here it just seems a bit off really yeah. off it's like does he know where the bodies are buried because it seems like he's getting a lot of it out of this yeah <laughs> and definitely he gets to every segment he's in tonight don't forget I'm on pay-per-view yeah Drew Carey uh, Saturday night is going to be a comedy improv all-star alright we get it you know yeah. backstage Cole is with Vince talking the Austin Triple H situation okay I would like to just ask Adam here to uh, recite what I wrote down for this little moment here okay. it's, in, it's in bold there at the top Cole has shit hair oh my god his hair the fucking hair on this one no idea what was said in that segment <laughs> Help! It's the hair bear bunch. It's 
So you were just focusing I entirely just, on yeah. Carl's hair for an entire segment. Absolutely. This I is about hair. I, I was not listening at all. I was just going, for fuck's sake, Carl. Who told you that was all right? Seriously. He's got proper Dolph Ziggler Brahmin hair. It's like Cole is trying to be a heel, but I know he's not. Like you know, yeah. he. I mean, if he gave him a pair of sunglasses, he would be like, you could be a smarmy heel manager. He'd look like hair. David Arquette from WCW. <laughs> <laughs> Cole's backstage was big, bright, fucking neon fur coat. Hollywood. Cole is basically trying to find out for Vince what's the story with Triple H and Austin because after Armageddon, Triple H came back. Like even though they said he had like herniated a disc, mm. was the gimmick. He was back like two, two weeks later right. again, you know. So Triple H has like been irreparably injured twice. twice in two months and has come back within two weeks both times. That's fucking shit. Take some yeah. time off. Fucking sell it a little bit. It was like when Triple H, like, you know, after the atmosphere when Triple H tore his quad and he was out for yeah. like a year, it's like, mate, you herniated your disc and you were back in two weeks. Walk it off. You'll be fine. <laughs> Vince just wants to keep them alive, basically, mm. is, his, uh, is his main goal in this one. Triple H is backstage with Stephanie. He hopes that Steph doesn't run in in his match with Kurt because of uh, you know Trish Stratus is in Kurt Angle's corner. Mm-hmm. The whole thing with Trish is that she's basically... Vince denies any doing with Trish whatsoever, being involved in an affair, even though Trish is like pretty much hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Trish giving Vince McMahon a shiatsu massage... <laughs> When Vince has got no top on, going, oh, God. Oh, poor Trish. Yeah, oh, I know, seriously. Being put in this position, like, oh, this week you're going to have to rub Mr. McMahon's big, greasy back on top. Oh, or this week, Trish, you have to come in and say, I, I love a man who takes charge, and then squeeze his ass, like, right in front of everyone. Oh. You know? Or this week, Trish, you've got to come out, out of a room that says, Mr. McMahon, and readjust your clothes, and oh, your hair is all messed up, gross. and all that. Or this week, Trish, uh, Stephanie's going to throw a load of cream on your cleavage, and Vince is going to go, oh, we got to get you a cleaned up, Trish. And then there's loads of set of scenes of Trish dabbing her breasts with Vince with a beach towel. You know, and the whole time though, he's denying any wrongdoing. That part of it, the fact that Vince McMahon is like, is insistent on having to show these scenes on camera. I think there's a scene where Trish asks Vince to spank her. And then, like, Trish is, like, and Vince right on camera is like, oh, you've been a naughty girl. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, I don't want to see that. No. no. I do like the whole storyline of, like, Vince, like, having an affair and trying to really badly keep it from everyone. Mm. Do you know what he did to try and cover the fact that Trish was going out with him? Because William Regal, who we'll talk about more in it shortly, he said that uh, William Regal's actually going out with Trish, I think you find. And like Trish, uh, Trish is like pretends to be going out with William. Oh my god! And William's like, oh, you're a very comely last Trish, and whatnot. You <laughs> just walk around like holding her hand, and she like she be backstage going, "All right, don't touch me, seriously, you're gross." <laughs> and like stuff like that, I thought was quite funny. Yeah. Because Stephanie is like wants to kill Trish as a result, and then like Trish to get back at Stephanie is like, right, I'm gonna be uh, you know in Kurt Angle's corner tonight. It's kind of like, oh, you know, it's just like one big happy family, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And Trish is kind of like egging on Stephanie, kind of going, I'm screwing your dad. Mm. And uh, Stephanie wants to kill. I like the feud between Trish and, and Stephanie. It's just that I don't know why Vince McMahon has to insist on putting himself making out with divas on camera. I was going to say, like, the whole him having an affair with Trish thing, that angle could still, like, be totally fine. Like you said, it could just be don't a comedy thing or yeah, whatever. Yeah. You don't need, like, long, to drawn it. out visuals of Vince getting off with Trish. Uh, have you seen, like, Vince fucking making out with Trish? Yeah. 
at SmackDown. Hard going. He like licks her head off. And the camera oh. goes right into them and they're like properly going into it. It's they're like, yeah, touching each other's asses on TV and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, it's it it gets worse though, I will say. Like for me at this angle I think it kind of peaks here, because there's still the unknowing of oh like is Vince gonna get fought Which way is it gonna go? Hands in the cookie jar or yeah. whatever like that. But yes, Trish trying to uh, stir the pot, aligning herself with Kurt Angle tonight. We've got Kurt Angle with Trish in his corner against Triple H with Stephanie in his corner. Heel versus heel, but there's just the dynamic between Stephanie and Trish means that people want to see this match yeah. like, go down big time. Drew then arrives and has an interaction with them. That is all you could describe this as, yeah. as an interaction. He comes in, says something about Kamala, and then admits that he doesn't watch wrestling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't do that! Like, at least do the slightest bit of research. Literally, yeah. like, learn two or three guys' names and just say, like, I like this guy, I like this guy, don't like this guy. Look at the poster on the way in. All, you, ha- all you fucking have to do. Mate, look at the wrestlers. Look at the crowd. There's names of wrestlers on signs and shirts. Yeah. Kamala, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, Stephanie basically, in her in her bid to outdo Trish and prove to Vince, like, I, like, I know you are going out with her, uh, is is to say that oh Drew you should go hang out with Trish Stratus she'll probably like you know sleep with you I guess mm, and right. Drew is like Argh. I don't watch wrestling but uh, okay you know so that's uh, set up for later on backstage we've got the APA who do the whole you show me mine I'll show you yours routine get their dicks out in front of each other basically yeah no that ain't right that ain't right at all but I mean this, but, this, that. but this is us though you know this, this, this between us. And nobody else, you know? If I show you mine, you'll show me yours. Hey. All right, you go first. Go. No big deal, sure. There's mine. <laughs> Damn. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> to say the least, huh? Goodness. Wow. You, you might already drink another beer. I think I'm going to have two. Yeah, yeah you, you might should. Yeah. Oh. Yeah! Hey, listen, guys. We're friends, right? Right? Huh? I tell you, this Royal Rumble match, if you get in my way, well, I'm just gonna have to throw your butts over the top rope. You got it? And they call us drunks. Damn. <laughs> What's wrong with him? Well, that is certainly a penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Is that the dick you have for the Royal Rumble? <laughs> I thought it was quite funny because, like, Farid looks at his and he's like, I better have two beers. We should say they're looking at the Royal Rumble lottery numbers. Not just their penis. <laughs> not actually looking at his own Looking at a penis going, man, I'm going to need two beers. <laughs> <laughs> cool thing they had in this moment as well, they actually started uh, aligning themselves with Jacqueline. Oh, yeah. So Jacqueline would start like, playing cards, drinking beer with them, smoking right. cigars, basically filling the void that Mae Young left in her lives. Yeah. I think it was really cool. Crash comes in and reminds them that it's every man for themselves. Is, is that what he said? Yeah. Because literally, I was watching it. I hit Crash went and went, bye. Is he a Pokemon? Like, I, it was completely incoherent to me. Like, I had no idea what he said. I Yeah, Crash was basically like, the APA and Crash Holly are as tight as it gets. But when it comes to the Royal Rumble, <laughs> it's every man for themselves. We don't actually get one of those promos tonight, you know? It's such a sadness. I think someone does lose the phrase, we don't get an actual promo per se. No, we. I, I want the, the whole sort of the team backstage, like, we're as tight as it gets. Don't get it this year. Coming up next, 
Oh my God. Mm. Together again and it feels so right. Intercontinental Championship on the line. Obviously, Chris Benoit won his title back from the one Billy Gunn. And even though these guys felt like they should have been pushed up to the upper card to be you know, involved with the title, yeah. no complaints for me as we've got Chris Jericho taking on Chris Benoit for the IC belt in a ladder match. And uh, Adam, hey. as we're on that final road to WrestleMania, I thought that you could go. I know this is one of your all-time favorite matches. Yes. So uh, feel free to take us through this one, buddy. Benoit, Chris Jericho, a heated rivalry, a tremendous robbery that is building and it is picking right here right now before our very eyes Okay, well, we obviously get a big hype up package explaining the rivalry uh, at the start of it, and we get an awful lot of prove me <laughs> from Chris Benoit. One thing I found weird about this is that the first half of the promo was almost completely silent. It's just drums. It's just them. It's just them kicking the shit out of each other. Yeah. Seriously, it was just footage with Steve Blackman's music. Yeah. And I was wondering, I was wondering, was that because they were saying certain things about Benoit in that promo oh. package? Because I had this on DVD, and I'm pretty sure they were saying things on the lines of like Benoit is a remorseless killing machine, you know, that kind of. Perhaps they're yeah. on that. That line seems very likely. Yeah. Because I mean, we I've started watching kind of the network versions of the pay-per-views you know in the last few months since it's come out in the UK I know before I was watching on DVD when we had a lot of those promos that included that scary Benoit stuff yeah. just wondering if they have maybe I've heard before they've cut out commentary where they yeah. talk about Benoit in a certain light mm. I wonder if that was the case here because it felt a bit maybe. weird I'd be intrigued to know yeah Hard-hitting stuff in that fucking uh, package. Yeah, it really yeah. shows you how vicious this rivalry has become now. I like as well the fact that even though it's a ladder match, they are kind of, again, putting over the fact that these two have these killer submission holds. Yeah. The crossface has got an almost... I would say only the sharpshooter has got that level of status at the time, mm-hmm. which was, this is a move that is just dangerous, and this guy will win when he puts it on Yeah, you. there's no getting out of it. Love it. So we start off with immediate fast pace, that they start trading blows immediately, like very quick, snappy stuff. Benoit goes for the crossface almost immediately, and then eventually Jericho reverses it and tries to get the walls in straight away. So literally right off the bat, it's all about the fact that these two guys want to get their submissions in, wear the guy down straight away using their special holds. That's really, really yeah. cool. It's, it's yeah. smart. And straight away you can tell that even though these are two guys who would be considered to be athletic and whatnot, that this isn't going to be... The TLC type of ladder match. This yeah. is going to be more like that Shawn Michaels, Razor yes. Ramon technical fucking display where there happens to be a ladder involved. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Uh, and we find out straight away basically that the story is going to be Ben while working the arm, which is great because like, obviously the crossface is a move that's meant to be for your neck and your back, but the arm is actually the part that gets tucked under yeah. it. It's the only bit you can try and wriggle out. So damage the arm, you basically are trapped in the crossface. And forever. you, you can't get, climb the ladder if you haven't got an arm. That too. I gotta climb a ladder with one arm, Dean. <laughs> I gotta climb a ladder with one arm. <laughs> Little teenage Seth Rollins. <laughs> I gotta climb the ladder with one arm, Chris. <laughs> it becomes quite apparent straight away that Y2J is going to be the underdog for much of this match because Benoit just spends so much time tossing him around arm first into objects. That's how Jericho works best, I think. I love seeing mm. Jericho get the shit knocked out of him and then rally. That's what we had last month at Armageddon. Yeah, with, with Kane. Effective there too. Jim Ross informs us that we're broadcasting tonight from over 70 countries, and Jerry disputes there even being 70 <laughs> countries. <laughs> Come on! That's ridiculous! There's the, the United States! 
Memphis, <laughs> Tennessee, <laughs> Carolina. <laughs> Jericho finally starts to make a little bit of a comeback, throwing Benoit face first into a ladder that's been wedged in the corner. Uh, J- JR then says that Jericho used a ladder like a tag team partner. And I have no idea what that fucking means. You know when you get your partner, you lie him in the corner and you throw someone into it (laughs) face first. I just like to imagine like Jericho doing a hot tag to a ladder. Like he's doing the crawl, gets the hot tag, (laughs) grabs it and just throws it. I just (laughs) We get some more allusions to the XFL on commentary. Oh yes, a lot of that. Coming coming soon, me and Billy Keeble, bonus episodes. This is brilliant. This is like the one thing in the actual era that's been foreshadowed for months and months and months now. I hope it's not shit. I mean, it'd be a shame we spent hundreds of millions of dollars. It better not be shit. And we, I've mentioned it on several episodes, so... Uh, it, it's been hyped. It better not it's be... Got, it's got to be good, surely. I mean, tell you what, Billy, if it's if we find that it's too much and it's upsetting, we'll just cool down with a nice, yeah. relaxing, high-quality gourmet meal at WWF New York. <laughs> yeah. We get then probably the scariest chair shot I think I've ever seen in history. Mm. Jericho's on the outside fetching a chair. Benoit's in the middle of the ring. Bounce off the ropes, Benoit does the diving headbutt through the ropes, straight into the swinging chair shot. I was he, he crazy. I was really expecting a, a Grand Theft Auto wasted. <laughs> if somebody can make please, that for us, please do. Please do. But I mean, you'd expect in a spot like that, Jericho would hold the chair up or but something. But no, he like, swung it. He, he swung actually it. swings into Benoit, and oh god, it is sick. It's actually disgusting. I mean, you can't, I suppose, see Benoit. Like, the other one I remember is Benoit, the suicide dive to Booker T, where he overshot it and just rammed straight into the announcer's yeah. table. Like, I think this spot has been a little bit ruined for me. Knowing that Benoit's brain, you know, allegedly being that of an eight-year-old Alzheimer's patient. Yeah. yeah. You know, obviously diving head but every night, but Benoit's penchant for hit me hard with this chair or yeah. reckless abandon. It, it, that, it's stuff like this that did add up. And yeah, that shows you how perception changes because I remember this specific spot was as a kid. I remember me and my sister rewound the tape like three times, like, oh my god, oh, yeah. that was awesome! That was oh, so and, cool! And don't get me wrong, in terms of effectiveness as a spot in the match and a mm. spectacle, we are talking about this for years to yeah. come. This is, I'd say, one of the most iconic fucking chair shots yeah. it's uh, in the era. Benoit now is actually selling the fact that he's fucking pissed off, almost getting frustrated that Jericho is putting up so much resistance. He's just whipping him into the ropes and then fucking leathering him. The with shots from these two are stiff. Very shots. stiff. <laughs> very yeah. stiff. We get a, a very serious kind of element of combat going on between these two. It looks ugly as fuck. Benoit continues to work the arms some more. Jericho, you know, doing a pretty good job of selling it as well. Like, Every time he'll get a bit of offense in, he'll go straight back to clutching his arm and, like, you know, um, grimacing in pain. What happens then, this is another interesting spot, is they get a, a ladder propped up in the corner. Uh, Jericho is on the top turnbuckle behind the ladder, like, hanging onto it. And Benoit is on the other side of the ladder with his limbs wrapped around it. And then Jericho basically puts all of his weight on the ladder. Oh, and yeah. They teeter and fall over straight onto Benoit Splash. and squishes him. Absolutely horrible. I mean, and this is probably my one criticism I have of this match is Benoit is back up again after that, like, ten seconds later. Yeah. There is, I, I don't know if it's because it's a ladder match and they feel the need to start climbing for it all the time. I think it's, but... it's the constant battle between pace of a match and selling of moves. Yeah. These guys want to be able to, you know, put on a certain amount of, of spots. Yeah. Well, and that maybe you're kind of, the length of time they you would normally sell, you don't get it. Yeah. Because yeah. they only have around ten minutes here. Yeah. Uh, even though it's, it's quite yeah. a war. If they've had like another five minutes on this match just so they could sell a little bit more, yeah, I think definitely. they would have made it like much more polished. Um, we have, I can't think of the best way to describe it other than calling it the Joey Mercury spot, where oh, the ladder is teetering yeah. on the ropes. 
Jericho jumps on it, hits Benoit square in the gob, and I hate that spot ever since the Joey Mercury accident. Yeah, fight me, man. <laughs> did you see that the promo Joey Mercury yeah. did afterwards? Was, man, man without a face, fight me, Matt. <laughs> Matt Hardy's just eating a load of grapes nonchalantly. <laughs> give a shit. Yeah, so that was scary. But then we get a beautiful top rope dropkick from Jericho. It's mm. absolutely gorgeous. They set the ladder up in the middle of the ring, start climbing to the top of it and, you know, do the typical scrapping at the top. They're, it's a little bit contrived how they get into it, but the, essentially we get a tarantula at the top of the ladder, which the is... The ladder walls of Jericho. Meant to be the walls of Jericho, yeah. Which looks fucking it, awesome. I, I can't imagine how painful that is up there for yeah, both of them. They, yeah, the, the pressure of that ladder on that kind of focal point there it's probably on both ridged, of their backs. The ladder's probably ridged as well, so mm. you've got that, you've yeah. got the weight and the ridges. It's just... I mean, that is one of... I remember just everyone, like... Jericho was so ingrained in the consciousness of the kids watching this mm-hmm. at the time because it was just like he did the walls of Jericho on top of the ladder you know toys were just put in this it was just you know yeah. wow it was so cool to see someone do something so innovative in a ladder match it was great he didn't, he didn't go into this match expecting that at all it was completely out of left field nice how do you do a submission like that on yeah. the top of a fucking ladder and it's nice as well for because he did it on top of the, the cage as well if you remember yeah. it's nice to see Jericho continue to innovate with spots that are incredibly memorable that don't mean that someone's going to get really hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one like fucking spilled off this through a table and yet the pops and the reactions were still as high as you would have expected from something like that. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful image. The actual the shot of the two of them at the top of the Yeah, they get a nice hard camera zoom out. Gorgeous stuff. Jericho, you know, wrenches it for ages and then tosses Benoit off the top. Somehow that was not the finish. Like I thought <laughs> yeah. that was the perfect image yeah, to end yeah, that yeah. match on. Benoit knocks the ladder over again and um Jericho just comes crumbling down, like really weird that he's just going to carry on for another five minutes now. Jericho tries to do a diving attack off the ladder and lands directly into the cross face, which is fucking gorgeous. Like, Mm. catches him straight into it, and Jericho just instant tap out, like, immediately. I've had enough. There's no bell to ring. (laughs) They beat each other up with the ladder some more, like, again, goes on for quite a while. They set up the ladder in a corner, and they both start, like, preparing at the top of it like they're going to do a superflex. And JR just goes, No way. This would be a this would be the biggest ooper duper flex we've ever seen. <laughs> An oopy doopy flex. That sounds fucking incredible. In the middle of this like really serious <laughs> blood Ooper super super ooper duper. <laughs> Benoit knocks Jericho down and gets onto the top of that ladder and does the biggest Air Canada and completely fucking misses it. Lands on his the face. The sound yeah. of his face hitting Horrible. the mat. Echoes around the arena. Ben that Morris. seriously is like again another. He's taken three fucking big shots in this to match. The head. Yeah, you know, and this is after the concussion kind of. It, it really. Yeah, this is the match straight after all the. Concussion the times course. they are, are not the same anymore. No, they're really not. When we do actually get the proper finish, though, I will say that actually this did turn out to be an even better finish mm, than the uh, the tarantula. Benoit is literally just at the top of the ladder trying to win. Jericho lifts up the ladder, tips him, falls to the outside. And it's literally a straightforward Jericho climbs the ladder and wins the belt. But it's Benoit on the outside is like, you know, trying to climb the ropes. And you see him trembling and pulling himself back in. And you get the feeling that he's like, I've got to stop this motherfucker. But he simply hasn't got the strength left in him to do it. Jericho grabs the belt and wins. Fucking awesome, man. One of my all-time favourite matches. Mm. Like I would say top ten of all time. This match is definitely Fantastic match. What do you think, Billy? Absolutely phenomenal. The reason why I haven't spoken much for this 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 match is 
I was too kind of transfixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote so few notes for this. You just wanted, I, I was, glad I was you, just watching the match. I'll be honest, I'm kind of glad that you got to sit down and just enjoy yeah. it. Like, cause yeah. it's, it's such a fucking barn burner. These two, uh, got it. this is going to be one of the feuds of the Attitude Era. You know, Absolutely. possibly one of the greatest feuds uh, of this whole period. Such reliably brilliant matches. And it's not just... Oh, these guys will put on a good ladder match or a good like submission ladder regular yeah. two out of three falls. You know, it's really really great stuff. E- each one's felt unique as well. Yeah, not, nec- not not just because it's a different gimmick per match, but there's just something about it. They they, they tell a different story. They tell each a different time. story. They yeah. do different moves. They just. And it's not like it, the storyline is ever like one guy's got the other guy's number. It's always a contest and yeah. it's competitive. They're and always on makes like it. pretty even footing, the two of them. Yeah, no one ever gets one up on the other or anything. They're just like, yeah, and honestly, like straight up, athletes. just like competition guys who want to like win just because they want to beat the other guy and, and, and win a title. That's like the essence of a great storyline, right? Very understated. Backstage, Drew Carey hits on Trish Stratus and then Vince McMahon appears. Got the two shows. That's going okay. You want some? Oh no, thanks. Oh, okay. Look, Mr. Carey, um, it's great thrill to meet you. Oh yeah, you nice to meet you too. It's a real thrill. And yes. You're really look, beautiful. Thank you. But you know what? I'm kind of involved with someone. So, oh, yeah. kind of. Involved. No, I'm I'm involved with someone. Oh, is it serious? I mean, I don't know who this guy is, but no, you know, if you you're don't. looking to make a step up, and you know, I mean, I got two shows and everything. I'm doing pretty well. Ooh. Hey, how you doing? Vincent Gann, Drew Carey. Real pleasure to meet you. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh, what's, uh, I see you met Trish, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, well, I'm here because I'm doing a big pay-per-view event, you know, coming up on Saturday, and I, you know, you're the king of the pay-per-view, so... Uh, I heard all about it. Oh, Drew great. Carey's Improv All-Stars this yeah, Saturday night, right? it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how good is it going to be? Oh, it's going to be great. We're going to have uh, a lot of improv stuff, and, you know, I was just talking to Trish here. Mm-hmm. Saying hello. Know about it. Yeah, yeah, well, uh... I was wondering if you'd give me some advice on how to promote it a little better, you know, get some advertising for it. Yeah... Yeah, uh, you do improv, and how about tonight? What if tonight you do a little improv for us? See, uh, what if tonight you actually participate in the 30-man Royal Rumble match here tonight? Huh? What? Yeah. 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 Wait a no, 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 no. You want to impress WWF fans? You want to impress Trish? Hey, listen, I, I won the Royal Rumble. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know... I don't want to get hurt or anything. I don't want to be limping out to my improv, you know, special. And you don't think there's any chance of me getting hurt, really, or anything? No. Uh, no. I had, you know, we're a lot of fun. We're about fun. Well, I mean, you, you, you know, it's you're very the, impressive. It would be very impressive. I don't wrestle, but uh, you know, I don't act either. I got a show. <laughs> <laughs> so, Trish, what do, you, what do you think? I'd be very impressed. I mean, wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I give it a shot. What the hell? Oh, you're in, man. Uh, Thanks. Congratulations, and I, I know one thing, uh, you're going to be a real big hit. Oh, thanks. Yeah, Tricia, do you mind if I chat with you for a moment? Okay, yeah. well, it was nice meeting you. I'll yeah. talk to you later, I'm We'll sure. see you a little later, yeah. Okay, thanks, Mr. Okay. McMahon. It's a pleasure. Right. can't believe this. Drew basically gets fresh with Vince's girl, and uh, he comes over and puts him in the Royal Rumble as a de facto punishment. Mm. He's like, oh, Vince, I hear you're great at promoting pay-per-views, so uh, I was wondering if you could give me any pointers. And he's kind of like got his hand on, on Trish, so Vince is like, why don't you be in the Royal Rumble, pal? Huh? How about being in the Royal Rumble? And he goes, will I get hurt? And Vince goes, Drew, we're about fun. <laughs> what sort of an answer is that? <laughs> 
I assumed the reason Drew was there in the first place was to be in the Rumble match. No, 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 no. It was. He was just supposed to be there. He was, was meant to be there to chat with Vince to get ideas to promote his pay per view. Vince saw him getting fresh with Trish, and instead of going, "That's my girl," because he can't because it's an affair, he puts Drew in the Rumble. And like, yeah, that's his kind of ridiculous. Get Drew out of the way, basically, as a result. Of also, that. this has got to be the least funny appearance of a comedian on wrestling ever. <laughs> he doesn't it, make it it's jokes. not funny. It's just literally like, oh, okay, I guess I'll be in the rumble now. Is you're a fucking comedian. If you want to sell your pay per view, make some jokes, make people laugh. And then you go the other way and get someone who's not a comedian, like Hugh Jackman. Yeah, every time hilarious. Hugh Jackman's yeah. on, it turns out to be brilliant. Like, yeah. Like, what are you going to do on your fucking three-hour comedy pay-per-view, Drew? Wear that jacket. It's, like, it's, it's, it's an improv show as well. This yeah. is a moment. Literally exactly. improv. <laughs> on your feet. You can't improv with Vince McFucking McMahon. That guy is just like a fountain of... Hey, look at you. That's funny. <laughs> Come on. Backstage, China and Billy talk about China's neck. The right to censor have tried to cripple China. Uh, several, several, several months after the publication of Playboy, they're still doing their campaign. Yeah. And the idea as a result of this is to uh, try and kill China. They gave her a spike pile driver on Raw before this. Val and Ivory double teamed her. Looks so fucking devastating. Mm. Yeah, and she was, she was completely fine, obviously, but mm. I mean... Val, I mean, if anyone's going to give you a pile driver, I, Val Venus, I would, I would, I would say, yeah. Val Venus or Jerry Lawler seem like the two people who would probably give you a nice safe, you know. Yeah. But yeah, the whole gimmick now is that China is allegedly injured, but not, and she's going to compete tonight against Ivory for the women's championship. Mm. This is a bit of a change of a pace for China. I believe this is going to be the first time she has fought another woman. Yeah. Other than Trish in the intergender match at SummerSlam. First time she's ever competed for this title. Yeah, Yeah, for the Women's Championship. Thoughts on China competing for the Women's title? I know you and I, Adam, spoke briefly at Rebellion about it would be better for her to kind of be the big fish in the Women's division as opposed to... Because the stuff they do with Guerrero and her just, you know... Making her cry. Yeah, kind of really weakening her character. I would would say it would almost be a better thing. But I don't know, what do you think, Billy? I've got no issue with it. Yeah. I mean, Ivory's an awesome wrestler. Mm. So I thought maybe that would give us some... At least there's a story going into it. Yeah, exactly. If it was just, just, they just said, all right, China's in in the women's division now, and here is a match. Yeah. I wouldn't like that then. But the fact that this... China's been so hurt by Ivory and Val. Mm. She's willing to go to that place she's never been herself. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. so she can get her hands and take the belt from. Yeah, Ivory. that's a cool story. Yeah. yeah, definitely. You can sink your teeth into that. Y2J catches up with Mickey C, basically just explaining, you know, how hard fought victory it was. Good promo. It's Good righteous, promo. Um, really. Adam, would you care to read uh, what I wrote here? Okay, where am I looking? Just over there. That hair, though. Come on, seriously. <laughs> just look at it. I didn't pay any attention to what was said. So yeah, again, I don't. I don't know what was said in there. Uh, <laughs> it was just a good at, promo. Just, just, really. just looking at cold shit hair. Bottom line: good promo, bad hair. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up next, it is the women's championship on the line as China challenges Ivory for the title. A recap of the spike pile driver with angelic music. happened in the ring, I lost 
feeling in my arms. After the MRI was taken, they were showing that I had three ruptured discs in my neck. At that point, I was basically given two options. The first option was to never wrestle again. The second option was a surgery where they would fuse my neck and um, basically never step into the ring after that again either. All the obstacles that I've overcome. All the obstacles I've overcome. All the steps in my life. All the steps I've taken in my life. They were all wrong, thanks to the right to censor. Now I can make a change. I can fight a good fight. I can do what's right. I hate them. They've taken my life from me. Well, I've been going through a lot of extensive therapy on my neck. You know, I'm not at 100%, but um, definitely working towards recovery. Does anybody here really care if China steps back into the ring again? I think that China is afraid of me and afraid to get in the ring with me. And I'm so sure of it that I am willing to lay my title on the line at Royal Rumble to prove it. Arcana, King, there's China. What the heck? What's she doing out here? And Lena with a twist of fate on Ivory. Issued a challenge to me for your precious little women's title, knowing that I wouldn't show up knowing that I wasn't 100% physically well. I accept your challenge, and I will be there Sunday at the Royal Rumble. China gets a chance in revenge against Ivory at the Rumble Sunday. It's like she picks up for a pile and I was like, <laughs> It kind of loses its oomph when you remember Taz no-sold two pile drivers from the alleged master of the pile driver at SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of... Maybe the move isn't so real after all. Maybe not. I will say it right off the bat, as much as I, I, I'm a big fan of China, I want to get our hands on, on that. I like the idea of doing you know, kind of an injury angle, trying to kind of overcome an injury. Da, da, da. But much like with the concussion thing, I think that's possibly in bad taste now. But even back then at the time, I don't think this is hindsight. This is like foresight. You should know that doing a gimmicky storyline about a fucked up neck as a result of a pile driver on this roster yeah. with Steve Austin. And I'm not saying it's like, oh, you gotta, gotta better protect Austin because he'd be mad. I'm just saying this, I thought it was pretty tasteless. Absolutely yeah. agreed. Love the feud, but hate the angle they chose to do with it. What difference would it have made if they like pilmanized her ankle or fucking, you know, Jericho, you know, the Jericho hammer on a thumb thing, just any, yeah. any, any other body part. Why the neck and why with specifically a pile driver? No and idea. The worst thing about that, the ultimate disrespect, I think, is like without wanting to spoil anything or anything, because obviously she gets re-injured, the length of time that China is away for does not justify doing a broken neck game. Oh no, she literally like, two it's weeks ridiculous. later. Ridiculous. You know, like that's so disrespectful considering that Steve Austin's career was nearly ended. It was like, broken like pile driver on raw, broken neck gimmick. Then, like, on a SmackDown, it was China in the neck brace with JR with tears stringing. Like, I won't be able to compete anymore, Jim Ross. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you were one of the best. I'm so sorry about that. And then it was, like, a I'm week after that, that, I'm challenging for the women's yeah. title. Yeah. What, what I did like, though, um, in this package 
is the intercut footage of Val and Ivory, Ivory oh, yeah. China, and Val as JR was so goddamn yes. funny. The, the shot of concerned looking Val Venus with a cowboy hat! Yeah. And Ivory just doing the big, biggest, m- most melodramatic <laughs> My neck's broke, JR! <laughs> is China 100%? Is it a shoot or is it a work? It's a work. I will say, well, in addition to this, when they did the spy pile driver, China was given a stretcher job. The announcers, like, stopped talking other than the, the low muttering. Yeah. As in, they used the voices they would use when an actual tragedy would happen, you know? Yeah. I hate when they do that. I fucking hate that. And yeah. again, if they did that because it was an arm or whatever, that, that's fine. It's just the neck. I, I don't know if, if, if it's being, like, too sensitive in that sense, but I just think that it's... Why? I think that's almost, the, to be honest, it's not Darren Drozdev, um, yeah. you know? That's, that springs to mind. Mm-hmm. And that seems really disrespectful in that sense. I don't know. I, mean, I don't think it's too sensitive. I think that is kind of the consensus on this angle. Mm-hmm. Is like, I've heard a lot of people say that they take massive issue with it. And I just, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a, a question of sensitivity. I think this is just poor taste. Yeah. Like, no doubt about it. So, coming out, right to censor music hits. And we've got Ivory being accompanied by Stevie Richards, The Heat. This entrance. This is actually one of my favourite entrances ever, and it's so simple. Like, Ivory's just, like, walking straight to the ring. Stevie is, like, in her ear going, la, 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 who are you going to do this? And then they both stop and go, like, yeah, wave, wave one hand, and then immediately, <laughs> la, 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 la. Fuck it. Like, Stevie's telling her how, he, how to kill yeah, China. Yeah. These characters. Fuck me, they're so good. And can you know what? I, Billy, I know you're not a fan, but I'm just going to say, solely as being a fan of Stevie Richards, how nice it is to see that Stevie Richards had like the most heat on the roster mm, yeah. and had this run for us. And you know what? He probably made no fucking money during this. I remember the leaked, um, it was like 2004 or five. there was like a leaked list of payroll mm. and Stevie was right, at, like literally right at the bottom. Oh. You know, like the lowest amount that you could make kind mm. of. I don't know if he's making more or less here, but the fact that he was, you know, he was taking the big bumps, doing the big promos, getting the heat... Not for the big paycheck by any stretch of the imagination. I just think it, I want to take a moment to appreciate yeah. Stevie doing it. Because when we saw Stevie at the start of the podcast, fucking ripping off the acolytes and dude love and all that, wearing those different stuff. I think it's, this is one of the biggest turnarounds for a character. Yeah, I think for mid-card guys like him, who end up just getting lost in the shuffle over time and never making anything mass of themselves, he was like very fortunate to have definitely made a lasting impression mm-hmm. like the right to censor will always be remembered uh, you know and the the hatred that they had will always like be remembered through history Vicky Guerrero levels of hate yeah. I would yeah. say for Stevie it, it is good how, how far he's come because before he became this character of Stephen Richards literally the only time we ever saw him on a pay-per-view was uh, when he and Blue Meanie were trying to <laughs> steal Pepper. Pepper. Yeah. That's literally the only and time the, before this character we've mm. seen Stevie Richards. Just to go from the blonde bitch project yeah. to, yeah. This to this is pretty fucking cool. Like Stevie's been involved in a lot of hot angles. Jim Ross with the horrible line of the evening when Ivory's coming out. I think Ivory is sexually repressed and quite frankly spends 30 days a month pre-menstrual. Yeah. Nah. I... I I would like to think he was fed that line. I don't want to believe that JR said that himself. Fucking Donald Trump over here. Horrible. Average got blood coming out of her eyes, out of her whatever. You know, fuck off. Like China demolishes Ivory straight as we start this off. Uh, China seems to be like fine. 
Yeah. For someone who's broken their neck. Like, mm. Steve Austin's probably going like, oh, damn, where'd you get the good neck, man? <laughs> <laughs> My neck took fucking ages. <laughs> Another little uh, Lilith Crane reference from Jim Ross. Calls uh, Ivory Lilith Crane like, does that mean Stevie is Fraser? I am wounded. <laughs> I am wounded. Non qua pastea. Does that mean Bull Buchanan Niles? <laughs> <laughs> Niles Crane, he's young, he's mean, he's tough, he's a stud. <laughs> Ivory bails through the crowd. She gets pressed out of the crowd, like China just mm. picks her up, throws her. Ivory is like, I like an Ivory in this situation to like Ric Flair and Giant Gonzalez in that she's small and makes China look superhuman in mm. strength. She just, Ivory's throwing herself around here. She does China a massive service. And being in the women's division as well helps China because again, it makes her look like a fucking monster, you know? Not to mention it helps the women's division itself. Like now you have got this monster diva who like, you know, People can't take her down. She's China. She's the Brock Lesnar of women's wrestling. It's fucking awesome. I think it's like when Big Show or Kane are feuding with smaller guys. That's when you really realize their value almost. Mm. And I think China is proving that here. Stevie gets mauled by China. She's fucking kicking ass here. Like Ivory's got no offense. And then China goes for the handspring and elbow. Fuck this angle. She does like it and then just collapses to the side. Oh, sorry. I've literally written down fuck this angle. (laughs) I thought this was a botch. No, it was that was it. It was At made first, to look like it was a yeah. mistake. Because what it looked like is she did the handspring thing, and we always know there's always been a bit of a complaint with this move. When she actually hits the person in the corner, it's so soft. Yeah, it loses all its momentum yeah. when she gets up. I thought that maybe Ivory was supposed to put an arm up or something, mm. and then just didn't. No, it but was after, after I saw what preceded this. I was, like, I was like, oh, that's what they were going for. So China's doing a handspring and elbow and then basically gets shot by Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> yeah. Back into the left she falls and lying in a heap on the ground and Ivory just looks around and everyone's like, <gasps> and Ivory just pins her. The commentators go silent. Yeah. Ivory wins, walks up, and then we get this fucking... Disre- I, I don't... Like, this is the tone of voice they used when, when Owen Hart passed. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and I, I don't say that lightly, but when Jim Ross is like... You know, I don't know what's going on here. Um, China, obviously, there's an issue, folks. And uh, and Jerry get leaves, leaves commentary. And he goes yeah. into the ring to hold her hand. And then Billy Gunn comes to out. To hold her hand. Yeah. And China's like... <laughs> and they're putting her on a stretcher and putting a fucking uh, thing on her. And she she has her hand out as well in this weird position. And it's gone all numb. And Jim Ross like, oh my God, look at her hair. And she may be... Right, you're feigning that she is a quadriplegic here. Yeah. Yeah. A quadriplegic. That is way fuck. It's fucked up. I mean, I've heard of using a women's match to cool down a crowd before, but this is taking it to a ridiculous level. This was awful. The crowd are so silent. Yeah, you can't they, blame them though. I was like, I was going to go. Oh, well, the crowd can't hear the commentary, but the commentary doesn't make it much better either. Imagine watching this live. I watched this like the next day after I heard what happened, so I was prepared. Mm. But imagine watching this live. You kind of go. Oh shit, like Jesus, yeah. yeah. And this whole pervasive thing—it happened in WCW all the time. Happens in TNA all the time. WWF less so, but this very much felt like one of those. Well, we swerve them, and that's all that matters. Yeah. You know, all that matters is that some fucking smart fans are going to go. <gasps> yeah. Is it a shoe or is it work? And that doesn't mean buy rates. That just means you're fucking doing stupid angles. Do you, Do you think this looked more realistic because? 
there was no actual impact on China. That's before. it. If yeah. they did a thing where it was like, oh, she did a move, and then it was like, oh, but the fact was that China was doing a move and then just collapsed in a heap, yeah. and her hand went to the side, and she's like, eh, you know, come on. And the fact that they actually spend, it felt like a good 10 minutes getting her in the stretcher and getting her out of there, and then JR at ringside does another five minutes of replays and discusses it some more. Like Jim Ross says at one point after the replay, and it goes a f- fucking face on camera, Jim Ross, he goes, yeah, if you're just joining us here, ladies and gentlemen, and he looks off tragedy has struck here tonight imagine if you literally were joining it and you see Jim Ross going "Uh, tragedy has struck here tonight Jerry's gone China's lying in the ring with a neck brace and her hand at her side and she's she's crying considering the last time we saw that a man had actually died yeah Yeah, I mean that is really really fucking tasteless I thought Mm -hmm. you know and I mean again if this was the arm the leg the knee, whatever. Yeah. You could have done this exact angle. People aren't going to go, oh, well, China only hurt her leg, so it doesn't matter. I mean, it's, yeah. it could have sold it as like a, a real serious injury. What does that happen to go to that fucking, she's going to be a vegetable now for the rest yeah. of her life? Yeah, there's no need. I'm just saying, Owen Hart, Darren Drozdov, Steve Austin, those names alone should mean you shouldn't do this. Yeah. Backstage, Steph and Trish have an altercation. Trish is having an affair and apparently loving it. So basically, Steph and Trish are having this kind of mad, kind of catty kind of yeah. stuff. It's kind of like, you know, I hear Trish that you like to have sex with my dad. And she's like, well, Stephanie, I'm in a lot of positions with your dad. I'd do anything for this company. I'd bend over backwards and have sex with your dad. <laughs> you know? And Stephanie's like, what are you alluding to? <laughs> I don't like this one bit. Uh, it's does nice to see though that Trish has really improved as a like in terms of like her communication yeah, and the just all around the past couple of months like because we've seen her so much better at the start she was so like awkward yeah and it really undermined when she was meant to be this kind of like seductress and she was like hello <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> can, can I seduce you please you could tell when she came in that she was viewed. In the same way that someone like Terry Runnels was. Oh yeah, as in but you'll in, be eye candy. Yeah, nothing but, more. In, but instead of accepting that, like Terry obviously did, because that's all you can say about Terry really is that she. Do you know set, that- settled for that sort of position? Trish had the drive. Terry actually, interesting point, refused additional wrestling training. She, refused? She refused. It was t- around this period, 2001, where they were kind of like, look, there's a lot of new girls coming in because we're doing the invasion, da 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 It would be good to have someone who's been here for a while if you could do more training or whatnot. And they wanted her just to be kind of someone they could put over because she was there for yeah. a while. And she said no, she only wanted to be a manager and, a, and an interviewer and stuff like just that. Settling for mediocrity. But as yeah. a result of that, two years after the fact, she's gone. Trish Stratus basically was like, I could do fill this role, but I mean, who's to, what's to say in three or four years they're not going to find a younger person to replace mm-hmm. you? Because yeah. that's how WWF viewed their eye candy. Where's BB Bush? Yeah, you know, where's you know, where's where's Cat? Yeah, exactly. You know, they they very much. If you couldn't wrestle and you were eye candy, you were only as good as the next model who they thought. Oh wow, yeah. this is someone really amazing. So Trish, to have the foresight and go, if I want to be here long term. Yeah. I'm going to have to learn to wrestle and learn to perform and she does she has to create her own longevity and she really does it and you know what this is a scummy angle in many respects yeah. Yeah. there's elements of it I like but the fact is that you're going to Trish Stratus and going right you're a year in the business and now you're going to have a feud 
where you're going to be sleeping with Vince McMahon and have all these scenes where you're like touching him and all this mm-hmm. stuff and allude to him. A lot of people would have went, fuck no. Yeah. Do you know uh, Crystal Marshall? She was one of the Diva Search girls married to Bobby Lashley. No. Um, no. But there was a while where she was um, pegged that she was going to do this whole storyline where she was meant to marry Teddy Long, then Teddy Long has a heart attack, and then Edge seduces her, and they become this like reprehensible power couple, and right. Edge is mad, like in love with her, and manipulates her. Basically what happened with Vicky. Edge and Vicky Guerrero. Yeah. The reason we had Edge and Vicky Guerrero is because Crystal was like, ooh, gross, I'm not doing that. Fair, fair dues, like, I mean... Yeah. It's, welcome it's, to do that. Welcome yeah. to do that, and it, you, they're right to refuse. And she ended up leaving very shortly as a result of that. But Trish saw this very gross storyline, and she's been interviewed about it, and she said, it was gross, but I was working with Vince McMahon, he was my boss, and she basically used this as a vehicle to kind of get herself over. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she's now one of the most well-respected women's yeah. wrestlers of all time. She is, like, the name for women's wrestling. I mean, people will say, oh, this person is a better wrestler, that, but in terms of an all-rounder, biggest star, I don't think there's a bigger star in women's mm-hmm. wrestling than Trish Stratus was. So, yeah, nice to see her kind of getting more uh, going for her here. That being said, does anyone else feel that, like, like Armageddon last month, this has been a lot of filler in this pay-per-view, like an oh, awful yeah, lot of backstage lot. segments? I mean, I mean, you're bound to get it with a rumble. But it doesn't help but that there's the, all the A lot the of the stars. stuff is not rumble-related. I, yeah. I will say that it may feel like filler, but if with the Raws and the Smackdowns, the angle is Trish Stephanie. That is that is really it. Like, oh, no, no, I get that. Know? I'm not saying it's filler is in its crap. I'm just saying there's a lot of crap in between the matches. Yeah, going yeah. On breaking because, up, obviously, like, you've got all the, the main event dudes are all in the rumble together. True. And no one pulls double duty tonight. Exactly, so, no yeah. one does. Harvey Whippleman, a rare signing. Hey, John, Harvey Whippleman. Hey, Drew, I got you some gear. <laughs> uh, Kane blanks Drew Carey as he's given his new gear. So it's a... Uh, a little bit of foreshadowing. A little bit of foreshadowing. Nice. I thought it made Kane look, again, like a total fucking badass. Yeah, it does. Since Survivor Series, Kane has just gotten his mystique back. But Kane made me laugh in that little backstage oh, segment, yeah. ignoring him. Drew Carey didn't. Drew Carey's the comedian, and Kane made me laugh in that scene. Man, I'm just going to say it right now. So Anyone else out there can disagree with me, but Kane is funnier than Drew Carey. Yeah, yeah. I'm he just is. saying, like, long term. Well, just know. look at the, one of my favourite Kane moments is when he's backstage with The Rock and... Oh, the Hulk Hogan? And Hulk Hogan, Kane doing his, um, his impression of The Rock, was it? Oh, yeah. Okay. There's going to be 15,000 Kanaanites out there tonight, brother. <laughs> so you're going to say Kane reading the Playboy magazine, like, hey, just because my face is burned doesn't mean the rest of me is. <laughs> or when him and RVD were backstage and he's like, hey, Rob, I found a smelly skunk in my basement this week. Oh, dude, I had some smelly skunk too. <laughs> it was really weird. Yeah, dude, you're telling me. <laughs> Rob Van Dam. I smoke weeds. <laughs> we should do a special on Comedy Kane. One Comedy Kane. With the highlight being the Kane-a-rooney. <laughs> I know that's not a kind of pasta available at Pasta Mania. That is Kane doing the spin a well, It just reminds me of the um, the Daniel Bryan Kane when Harry met Sally. Yes. Brilliant. Yes. 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 <laughs> Backstage. Dio. Chaz. Tiger Alley scene. A.K.A. the three wise men from a primary school play. Why are they in traditional Indian garb? Like, Why? <laughs> So we won. One of us. Go- I am going into no, no. the Royal Rumble. I'm going to the Royal Rumble. I am going into the Royal. I- I'm going to the Royal Rumble. Tiger, listen. It said the winner. No, of the one fall- moment, please. I don't listen. Please, whoever I'm going to choose, my brother, either you or you, 
the winner It's going to be the best the decision fall. for us all. No, Understood? No disrespect, Tiger, but I have more experience. I have been in the Royal Rumble four times. Understood. I can win it. But I'll make the decision. I, no, I, I, thank I, you. I'm sorry to barge in on you, but there's been a change of plans, unfortunately. for plans. I, I'm going to take this decision away from you, Tiger, because, quite frankly, Neither one of you is going to go in the Rumble. You've been replaced. We've been replaced by who? It doesn't matter. You've been replaced. Replaced? She's not again. You gotta be kidding me. I understand. You know, I understand a man of your distinction. This may be tough news, but that's the way it is. Mr. McMahon, if I may, what great superstar are you thinking of replacing my guys with? Drew Carey. No! Drew Curry? Who is Drew Curry? Because, just because. Lowdown has, because we've seen Lowdown before, mm -hmm. and we were sad, and they were just wearing track pants. Looking fat. Looking fat. <laughs> yeah. And now, I just love this, Lowdown are just now, they're They're so Indian. low down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're so low down. What appropriate <laughs> An appropriate the rationale, or lack thereof, Tiger LEC, as we know, much maligned uh, wrestler, was originally pouted as being the Asian Hulk Hogan, had big plans from... His wrestling speaks for itself, folks. Yeah. Tiger was the drizzling shits in the ring. The one thing Tiger LEC could do, and do competently, was cut a promo. He was, a, he was good on the mic, mm -hmm. and he was good, he was well-spoken, was Tiger. So the idea was, was that, right, we have him on this fucking five-year contract or whatever it was. I'm not putting him out wrestling anymore. Fuck that. So let's just make him a mouthpiece because that's what he's good at. Let's get our money out of it. Who needs a mouthpiece? Uh, D'Lo and Chaz? So Tiger Ali Singh is D'Lo and Chaz's manager. Tiger Ali Singh wears a turban. Therefore, Chaz and D'Lo should wear turbans. That's how it works. Yeah. Tiger Ali Singh complains about the white man keeping him down. Therefore, Chaz and D'Lo, one of which who is fucking white, yeah. will complain about, all right, I hate... And also as well, like, just because D'Lo's not white doesn't mean he can fulfill the role of any fucking ethnic yeah. minority you want, yeah. okay? D'Lo is, like, from fucking New Jersey. He's not from India. Like, what is this? It's so weird. I, I literally couldn't tell you. I don't understand why this came to be. It's really, really awful. Tiger only seemed had a rough go over this time. Like he was weekly segments where it seemed that it was just there for to to make him, like to make him humble. Oh. Yeah. Like he would have like he had a match once. He was like he was told it was him and Steve Blackman. He was just like told to go out there, and he was still in his like suit. And Blackman just bet the fuck out of him, and then took his turban and wore it and ran around the ring. Oh rain. God! Seriously? Yeah, seriously. Fucking hell. Like, poor fucking Tiger Alley. I mean, I know we shit all over him, but no one deserves that. Like, seriously, yeah. come the, on. The, I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the podcast before, but something that just shows how Tiger Alley Singh was treated in the company. If you listen to, uh, um, I think, Patrice O'Neill on Opie and Anthony, yeah, he, used yeah. be a, he used to be a writer. Right. Um, For WWE, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was at that. this time. He was, it was he, a bit after. It was around like 2001, 2002, I think. Who, Tiger would have still been under contract. But he was on Vince's jet. And for some reason, so was Tiger. Mm -hmm. No idea why the three of them, a, a writer, a shit wrestler, and the owner of the company were on it. And, and Tiger was trying to have this really heartfelt conversation with Vince because... Um, I, I don't know what religion he actually is or what, where he's actually Hindu, from. Hindu, I believe. Is, but they don't uh, yeah. wear turbans. That's mm. a Sikh thing. Yeah, yeah. And he's going to Vince and saying, 
Vince, my family are getting really offended. Can can I drop the turban thing? Because it's not my culture, and I feel like I'm doing my own people a disservice. And Patrice O'Neill just says, and Vince just pondered for about five seconds, looked at him dead in the eyes, and just, and just said, you put that goddamn turban on. Fucking hell. I feel bad for Tiger here, particularly because this segment is designed not only to fucking bury Tiger, but also by proxy D'Lo and Chaz. Mm-hmm. Mm. D'Lo fucking brown lads, what the hell happened? Literally, his role now is to just get chumpetized month after month as part of a lowdown. It's, it's so, so sad. fucking horrible. They're all there talking about who's going to be in the Royal Rumble, and Vince comes because they have got one spot between the three of them. Mm. And Vince comes up and says, "None of you are in the Royal Rumble." And D'Lo goes, "Oh, geez, not again." Oh. At least they got in the building this time, I guess. Yeah. And Tiger goes, "Who is taking our spot then, Vince?" And Vince goes. Drew Carey and Tiger goes Drew Curry I didn't even I notice didn't catch that. that fucking hell Are and then serious? Vince pulls a little face and then Tiger goes Drew Curry to himself fuck off mate oh, why wasn't he just like he might as well have just been holding a jar of mango chutney yeah. like, seriously just call fucking you know call Chaz Papadom and call fucking D'Lo Nan bro. Nan or whatever god I mean see it's so fucking the bottom of the fucking barrel it's really uncomfortable last time we're gonna see Tiger on the podcast after this he was sent packing and told to go to Puerto Rico to get better at wrestling a one point pitch I mean Puerto Rico that's down where dirty that seems, that seems yeah. like a really weird thing lads like, Puerto Rico is not where you go to get better at wrestling like, Puerto Rico is where you go to get fucking bottles thrown at you, you yeah, know? Oh. send them to Memphis or like somewhere don't send them to fucking Puerto Rico go to Puerto Rico big show when he had to improve went to fucking Ohio yeah. Tiger go to Puerto Rico just fight. get out leave the country yeah. fight someone leave <laughs> now and never come back I think that says a lot it does it? it's basically them saying we want out of this arrangement we have made please yeah. like, do they hope he'd send him over there and like only give him a one way ticket and just he'll lost. never come back get lost Vince <laughs> takes Tiger Ali scene to a big shopping centre in Puerto Rico then puts him on escalator and runs on the other way Vince just puts up his coat puts on sunglasses and walks away like you know it was really horrible I mean if you want to know about Puerto Rico obviously I mean Puerto Rico um, the wrestling scene has always had a kind of an element of the danger to it I mean Look up about the Bruiser Brody situation and mm. whatnot. There's elements of organized crime, violence in fans, low security, wrestlers having stuff thrown at them, challenged to fights, nice. unsanitary rings. Dutch Mantel, um, Zeb Coulter, spent many years in Puerto Rico uh, booking and very successfully. So any if you get a chance, check out any of his like kayfabe commentaries, uh, documentaries or shoots where he talks about what it's like over there. A real Wild West atmosphere. Tiger Ali seen when he was over there, there apparently had been like monsoon-like rains, torrential rains, and he was made to wrestle out in this, like the ring was flooded, and he got like fucking sick and all that. Tiger tried to sue the company, we mentioned this before, Mm. because of like, you know, he had the heat backstage, people hated him, Uh, he accused them of racism, I mean, pretty obvious, I mean, there's a bit of stuff to go along with it here now when we look back. And the main thing as well was the fact that he was made to wrestle in, in Puerto Rico yeah. and whatnot. They settled out of court and Tiger's not had any real dealings other than seldom appearances. Mm-hmm. But that's like, that's Tiger Ali Singh and his business there. Mm-hmm. Ch- Chaz and D'Lo Brown. D'Lo Brown, even still if you're going to make that Vince Russo, 
the two things people say is like, oh, he was associated with Vince Russo, and therefore Russo left, Vince wanted to bury him. Mm-hmm. I still don't know if I buy that. I don't buy that. I'm sure, I'm sure Dino wasn't the only guy that Rousseau liked. Yeah, if that Russo was the case, then surely there'd be loads of guys that got pushed down with card now. And the other one as well was people say, and I think it's BS, which is like, oh, because of what he did with draws. Yeah. No, again, it's not that. No. But just seeing D'Lo here, he does just look... He could, 1998 D'Lo, he, the fucking energy, mm-hmm. he was amped. He, was just, he had that electricity, that fucking fire. And he just seems so jaded and dejected mm. and so fucking sad to see one of my favourite wrestlers get put in such a shitty racist fucking go nowhere angle yeah. I, I, I think it's just the times have changed I mean the show's completely different it from passed him by I think yeah. it's, it's, it, it was a, a microcosm 98 where D-Lo just worked adapter perish I guess and, kind of, and you know? just the products has moved on to such a degree where just what D'Lo was doing in 98 doesn't work. And it's bad when in like 2000, when D'Lo, I remember D'Lo coming out of the rumble with his music, it's like, he felt like a throwback in 2000 yeah. to 1998. And they are such different companies, really, when you compare those two times. So yeah, I think that didn't do him any favours. And there was obviously no one on the writing team who was coming up with stuff for D'Lo. So I mean, really, really sad. And Chaz, I guess, they just never fucking really had an idea. But just the fact that to, they would bury two guys to bury someone else. Yeah, that's really bad business. Fucking ridiculous. The Cretans at WWF New York tell us who won't win the title. Well, I think Triple H will win. I think Kurt Angle will win. Seriously, overamped, overweight dudes in Nike hats and polo shirts full of fucking burgers and nachos. This is where England definitely beats the US in terms of when this happens on the shows. We always get the guys that are like properly... Shane McMahon is totally ruthless. You don't like anyone and he's right out to get Triple H here tonight. (laughs) But these guys are fucking lethargic like... Kurt Angle's going to win. They're full of dinner. He's full of dinner. <laughs> the got, lights are really dark. He's got to Unbelievable. Backstage, Triple H snorts in the mirror. I was just, I, I wrote down Triple H backstage turning into a werewolf. <laughs> Skronk. <laughs> Fucking love this. Triple H is kind of, again, we talked about this in Armageddon, the fact that he's like, I have to be champion. Mm. The story of this next match, Kurt Angle and Triple H for the WWF Championship. The title is on the line. McKiro just completed the single most dominant year in World Wrestling Federation history. Kurt Angle, you are still the champion because I have allowed it. Mr. Angle must defend his WWF Championship at the Royal Rumble event. Against the number one contender, Triple H. How is Triple H the number one contender? I have no problem facing Hunter at the Rumble, but I do have a problem with going up against the McMahon family. Since the McMahon will not be in my corner, I decided to get the next best thing. Trish? What are you doing? Volunteering your services to be in Kurt Angle's corner? What are you doing, Trish? You know what? I've been bad. I've been really bad. In fact, I think that I've been so bad that I deserve spanking.
WWF is concerned, I am the dominant female. Mr. McMahon and I, we are just friends. Enough! Both of you! Steph, you are above this. You do not need to be dealing with the likes of her, Triple H. I would like to think that you have a little more respect for my new business advisor than that. I know something else that you won't have after this Sunday, and that's my World Wrestling Federation Championship. It's true. It's damn true. Triple H attacking Angle from behind. Stephanie and Trish. Oh my God! getting kind of cocky now Triple H is like said in no uncertain terms you're only champion because I have allowed it okay yeah. I had other business I was injured the only reason you're champion is because of the absence of me not because you're good and Kurt Angle now kind of really pushing the buttons of Triple H and Stephanie as well now that he's got Trish in his corner he kind of Kurt is really like plays all the sides against each other and again we had this really cool thing with Triple H where it's like Triple H is challenging for the belt. This is what his focus should be. And like he's coming out having to separate Trish and Stephanie, going, enough of this crap! Like yeah. and like Trish and like is like goading in Stephanie and Triple H is backstage going, like, look, you're not a wrestler, you're not don't stoop to their level, don't fall for the stupid stuff. I gotta be focused. And you get the feeling that Triple H doesn't have his all in this match, his no. mind is in a million places. He's too frustrated to be hundred percent. And the fact he's been made the number one contender purely out of nepotism. It's mm. like Triple H has not earned this. Mm. He didn't come close to winning an Armageddon. He lost at Survivor Series. You know, he lost the pay-per-view before. It really feels like Vince is just doing it because to make Stephanie happy. Yeah. And this is a great scenario. When you say heel versus heel, that's usually going to go, uh-oh. But this is a, a nice This actually album. works, yeah. yeah. So we get obviously all those highlights of the Vince and Trish affair as well and whatnot. Uh, another particularly nice one I liked from this whole thing, uh, two quick ones. Number one, when Vince was first told that uh, his wife had fallen ill or whatever, he did this thing where he looked, he was like looking into the mirror, like, you know, she's really sick, Vince. Like, she's in a coma, I think. She's not coming out. And Vince is like, oh my God, thanks for telling me. Can you get out of here? I need a moment alone. And Smackdown ended with Vince looking into the mirror going... <laughs> <laughs> it was a real specific... I got her. Like, real know. House of Cards moment. Mate, he fucking cast a spell on her. Magic McMahon. Some of the amulets from when he was the head of the corporate ministry still works. The other one I liked as well was that Vince wasn't on Raw one week. And, and Steffi was on the phone and she was again trying to get Vince to admit he was having an affair and she goes oh it's a shame you're not here tonight Vince because Trish is wearing a brand new outfit and Vince goes oh oh well that's um 
Uh, yeah, and then like later on, he like phones Trish immediately. Oh. It's so fucking gross. Like Steph and Triple H are faces by default in this one. Uh, bit of yeah, a pop from coming good. out. Sedated Linda is mentioned. We're gonna see obviously a lot more of that in the months to come. Kurt Angle's run with the belt. How have you viewed it so far? I'm kind of he's had some real good moments. He's not been the focus, as we've said, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I think I agree with what you said, Billy, last month, where, you know, he, he didn't necessarily always seem like he was the focus of what was going on at the time. But for a guy that literally, you know, had the meteoric rise over the course of, like, 12 months for his first reign... Yeah, for I my think, first reign, I think that's yeah, kind yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, I'm totally A-OK with that. Definitely. Awesome chain wrestling to start this one. Kurt Angle and Triple H put on a fucking clinic here. Mm. Kurt even nips up at one point... I love the fact that you can see that Kurt has all this athletic stuff that he doesn't do because he's a heel. Yeah. Because he can, he can do the flips and the rolls and all that if he wants to, but he rarely does. When they're doing the, uh, the technical wrestling, JR brings up Buddy Rogers and makes some comparisons there. And King just goes, Come on, JR! No one knows who Buddy Rogers is! Let's talk about Drew Carey! <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, this is like Kevin Dunn manifesting itself like in, in fucking... Uh, he, he haunted Jerry Lawler for yeah. that His eyes lit up and that came out like... Also, Jerry as well mentions that we talk about Drew Carey. He mentions Andy Kaufman. He's yeah. like, he goes, you know, people are making fun of Drew Carey for being in the Rumble, but I made my name by pile driving that, you know, that pea brain Andy Kaufman. Mm. He goes, someone in the Rumble tonight is going to make a name for themselves by beating up Drew Carey. Yeah. And then Jim Ross goes, oh yeah, Andy Kaufman. There, yeah, someone made a movie about that that about seven people saw. <laughs> in case you haven't read Jr's blog or heard him talk uninterrupted for twenty minutes, he doesn't like Man on the Moon. <laughs> Even though he was in it. King is chatting Trish like 99% of the, of the time as well. He is obsessed with Trish Stratus at this moment mm-hmm. in time. It's ridiculous. JR also says it's quite interesting that it's only now that Triple H is 100% from, from all of his injuries and whatnot. So the sheet is clean. His herniated disc is, is okay, I guess. You know, Jerry actually mentioned specifically that he hopes uh, Steve Blackman will beat up Drew Carey. He's like, I hope he hits him with a stick. I'm like, that'd be pretty okay. cool. It's party time. Uh, Triple H gets a chair and hits Angle in the knee with it as Stephanie distracts the referee and Triple H going out, dissecting Kurt's leg, uh, doing the Indian death lock, which is obviously that brought up the Buddy Rogers mm-hmm. reference mm-hmm. and whatnot. And again, I'm seeing Triple H wrestling the style, which we don't normally see. The submission moves wearing down Kurt. Uh, really earns the cerebral assassin yeah, gimmick yeah, here. Yeah, fucking lovely. Uh, figure four leg lock as well. It's nice to see that we've got uh, Jerry and Jim analysing the holes, why this is sore, what Triple H is doing to it and whatnot. Trish attempts an interference spot, but Stephanie cuts her short, and this is basically what everyone's been waiting for. The display in the ring is completely forgotten about as Trish and Stephanie beat the dog fuck out of each other, like pulling each other's hair out by the roots. They brawl on the table. The crowd loses yeah. their shit. This is like a huge pop. People wanted to see these two fight. And I'm sure there was an element of it was because they wanted to see two hot girls fight. Yeah, but, definitely. But there's also an element of this was like a storyline where they built up Stephanie wanting to beat up Trish Stratus, which I think was pretty cool to see these characters used in a different way. Vince comes out and separates them and he's like, come on, can't we all just be one big happy family? <laughs> Father and daughter and mistress all together. <laughs> Serious fucking amazing stuff. He tries to separate them and they keep like, it's like, I don't know, Taker and Lesnar or something like that. <laughs> Pushing each other off and Vince is like, stop it, please. Like, and they're, they're like hitting Vince to get to each other and, 
Vince ends up putting Trish over his shoulder and carrying him away in a spot which can only be described as pitched by Vince McMahon. <laughs> but even as they're calling away, he's got Trish over his shoulder. Steffi like bumps into Vince and like he falls over and bumps with Trish yeah. on top of him. Like fucking crazy brawling up the ramp. And in the, all the meanwhile, Triple H is like, what the hell's going on? I, I'm wrestling for the title. No one should care about these girls. Uh, he gets rolled up quickly by Kurt Angle, but a quick kick out. And Triple H goes right back on the knee. Really awesome. Kurt Angle starts fighting back with some suplexes. Triple H, in a very face moment, hits the razor's edge. Scott yeah. Hall's yeah. finishing move. That was really surprising. Very uh, clickish maneuver there. Yeah. That right there... Could be reading into this way too much, but obviously this is a Triple H who has a degree of comfort with his standing. Yeah. I mean, because it's always alluded to that around these few months was when him and Stephanie started shoot going out. That's kind of like, if I was someone who wasn't, you know, in there, I don't know if I'd be doing the maneuver of someone from the rival wrestling company yeah. who I got in trouble for saying goodbye to a few years ago. Mm. Interesting stuff. Pedigree gets blocked and it's really funny, we've got two heels, the pedigree is blocked, and Kurt Angle bonks himself and falls face first into Triple H's yeah. dick. The two of them make each other like, look ridiculous. It's brilliant. It's mm. really, really well done. Kurt Angle goes to hit the moonsault, and Jerry's like, No, Kurt! Yeah, yeah! Not moonsault, Kurt! And he actually hits yeah, it. Yeah, finally lands it. But he dings his knee while he's doing it, the knee which Triple H is mm. working over. And I was like, oh, did he actually hurt himself? But I think it was just, just really good. Selling. Selling. Yeah. Really, really good. Triple H bumps the ref, and Triple H heads up top to the top rope, and Kurt just makes the length of the ring yeah. in like a second and a top rope arm drag. Gorgeous. Absolutely amazing. So good. You never see someone like sprint across the ring that quickly. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it makes Kurt seem like scary mm. that he's got this just... The agility. Special move. He just goes... And he's up there. Yeah. What, how the fuck do you... Oh man, incredible stuff. The ref is re-bumped as his bump timer was going down so they said to top <laughs> it up. Like, they put so much donk on this. Like... <laughs> They, like the, the, he donks, donk. he donks on the barricade. It literally makes like a donk sound. Donk. And then he gets donked on the stairs as well. It's just he's he's taking some serious donkage. Some serious donking going on here tonight, folks. Triple H misses a bell shot, gets a belly to belly suplex. At this point, I noticed that fan in the front row. The dude in the white shirt. The dude in the white shirt. To the gentleman in the white shirt and tie in the front row of the Royal Rumble 2001. You ruined the Royal Rumble 2001. <laughs> yeah. we, we were talking about this. We don't know if this guy is dressed as Stevie Richards or Mankind. I thought it was meant to be Mankind because it wasn't tucked in. It's either a really bad Mankind or a pretty good Stevie Richards. I think it's pretty good Stevie. I was... Confused about this guy, Adam Devine about this. People said that it might have been Frank, the sign guy from WWE. I don't think it I don't, don't think, think so it was either. him somehow. No. But I had watched this pay per view like dozens of times. This is one of my go to shows. And um, my mate, once while I was watching with him, he pointed it out to me. He goes, Hey, do you remember that? I can't watch the show because of him. Now, now you can't either. <laughs> Fucking hell. I'll never forgive him for that shit. Triple H gets the pedigree, and who appears but Austin? Austin! Was not expecting this. Austin comes in, beats and belts Triple H, hits the stunner, referee is healed, Kurt Angle wins. And I love the fact that Austin just come in and cause a DQ. Yeah. Austin came in and made sure that Triple H got pinned by Kurt, because he knew how much that would fucking drive him insane. Get to him. And Triple H, once again, comes up short, and he is fucking 
livid and you feel that even though he was like the mastermind behind all this like stuff with Steve you feel sorry for him you feel it's like fucking hell like these two have ruined each other's lives (laughs) (laughs) what do you think of the match I thought it was a it was a spectacle in that obviously it was building to the Trish and Stephanie face off but I really enjoyed the heel versus heel dynamic and the fact that they managed to get the crowd in along for the ride what did you think of this one um, I wasn't massive on it to be honest with you. I enjoyed the technical wrestling they got in there and the actual work in the ring was great. I didn't like the Trish and Stephanie stuff muddying it up like how there was a good five minutes where it was just them rolling around and yeah. just like, ah, stop it. Like, stop it again. I didn't enjoy that at all. I thought it was just too silly. Um, Austin interfering at the end was fucking awesome though. The fire yeah. of Austin. Yeah, like, that was really badass. Um, a little surprised that Ill Hebner didn't hear the Austin chants very loudly <laughs> as he rolled over and did the world's fucking oh, or Jim Ross standing up and screaming Stutter he had been donked so oh yeah he had a lot of donking to be fair yeah, yeah when you're donked you don't get any hearing what about you Billy what do you reckon uh, I enjoyed it a lot um, a little overbooked because yeah. mm. there was six people involved in the match overall yeah um, but it was it was alright I enjoyed it um, it was it was good to have Kurt actually in a singles match, which obviously I I, I was I didn't like last month. Yeah, well, but, uh, it, it, it was good to show again that Kurt can do it if you if you give him the opportunities. Kurt can. And I also felt like himself. in this match that he, he could have won. Yes, he looked and with that top rope arm drag alone, Kurt looked like a, a bit of a killer. And you're starting to morph from goofy Kurt Angle into that amazing 2001. Goofy, but he's a killer, Kurt Angle, which is my favourite. Which mm. is like he's silly, he's a he's a putz, but this guy in the ring is dangerous. And yeah. I just think that's such a great character. Great nice models. to see that kind of get fleshed out a bit more. Backstage, we get Rikishi sending like an old timey steam machine. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh-oh. There is the man that has drawn number thirty. This will be the last man we see entering the Royal Rumble here tonight. Write it down. He is my odds-on favourite. Shut him down, folks. <laughs> Shut down his push, folks. <laughs> We're told that he's King's pick. King's, King's picks. picks. Mate, King's pick from the last rumble isn't even in the company anymore. Know, yeah. <laughs> but we, we have King's pick from, uh, from Big Quiche, and then immediately cuts to Undertaker shadow boxing, to which King immediately says, and that's my pick. <laughs> <laughs> We're building up for the Royal Rumble. Rikishi, the bad man, is number 30. Rock is backstage with Kay now. You're a rock star. Get your game on. Kelly. Kevin Kelly. Rock, we are now just moments away from the Royal Rumble match. 30 superstars. An opportunity to face the World Wrestling Federation champion at... Finally, the Rock has come back to New Orleans. The Royal Rumble 2001, the biggest Royal Rumble in history. All shapes, all sizes, all colors. It's so fitting that we're right here in New Orleans because the Royal Rumble 2001 is like one big pot of jambalaya. All shapes, all sizes, from Crash to Rikishi, Kane to The Undertaker. And speaking of Kane and The Undertaker, everybody wants to ask the question, are Kane and The Undertaker together? Are Kane and The Undertaker together? Well, quite frankly speaking, if Kane and The Undertaker are together, then every man is going to be in trouble. But The Rock is sick and tired of asking that question, answering that question. 
Is Kane together with The Undertaker? Is The Undertaker together with Kane? Kane wants to buy The Undertaker a box of chocolates. The Undertaker wants to tickle Kane's big red nipple. Who cares what they want to do? Because the fact of the matter is this, The Undertaker and Kane, they're going to be together tonight, all right? Together, getting both their monkey asses kicked right over the top rope. Royal Rumble 2001. Every man for himself. It could come down to anybody. The Rock and Bull Buchanan. The Rock and Perry Saturn. It could even come down to The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. All the possibilities, they're endless. The result will still be the same. Is that The Rock walking down the people's aisle, getting in the ring and body after body after body over the top rope, whipping ass all over the Big Easy on to WrestleMania. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. Rock talking about the Royal Rumble being like a big old batch of jambalaya. Fucking love Jambalaya. Great promo. Jambalaya. Yeah, fucking awesome. Anyone could win the Royal Rumble. It could be The Rock. It could be Bo Buchanan. He's young. He's mean. He's a stud. <laughs> he, he also questions whose side yeah. is The Undertaker and Kane on. Yeah. They're still doing this. Yeah. Once more with feeling, The Undertaker and Kane have alluded to possibly being a line. Kane wants to make cookies with The Undertaker. Undertaker wants to lick Kane's big red nipple. <laughs> Brilliant promo. Awesome one. I think it was like up there with the, the Royal Rumble 2000 promo he did as well. Yeah. In terms of, you don't need a hype-up package for the Rumble. Just have The Rock do one of these. Excellent stuff from The Rock as always. And here we are. The 2001 Royal Rumble. 30 men. At least six of which seems like could actually win for once. One ring. The winner gets a shot at the WWF Championship at WrestleMania 17. It is now time for the Royal Rumble when they found out that I was the one who ran down Stone Cold Steve Austin. When they found out that I turned on the rock. And here's the man that will be number 30 in the 30-man Royal Rumble. I'll be the last man standing, because you know why? I'm going to be throwing people left and right, over the top, and on my way to WrestleMania to become the WWF Champion. The bad man. Kane is 7 foot tall, 326 pounds. Has to be considered a favorite in the Royal yard out there and I'm the big dog that runs that yard. 
Billy's picks for this year's Royal Rumble? Um, Bill's picks. I was trying to think before it because I, I honestly didn't know. I, I thought, realistically, Austin or Rock. I yeah. couldn't. I, I really couldn't see it being anyone else. Yeah. Mm. Uh, just because of where they're positioned in the card before this. I just... As a kid, I remember kind of going, Austin's not had his... like His comeback hasn't had the stamp yet. So yeah. Kind of comeback. And I thought... Him coming back at Survivor Series meant that this was the. the yeah, it was, he was either going to come back then or come back at the Rumble. I thought yeah. he was going to either way. He was going to be in WrestleMania some way or another. I, that, but that wasn't me kind of going. Ah, I'm a smart twelve year old. That was me going. I want Steve Austin to be there. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Any Adams picks? I, I watched this when I was a kid, so I knew. When, when you were a kid, were you hoping for Kane to win this? Oh, when I was a kid, I was rooting for Austin or Kane. Excellent. Everyone seems very over in this video package. Uh, vignettes for all the main yeah. players mm-hmm. about why they want to win. Like Rikishi's like, I ran over Steve Austin. Down, down, I got like little like hairs raised up goosebumps during this because it really kind of showed you all the storylines that were going on and that all these guys are so over and that 2001 was a great fucking year yeah. for professional wrestling. Austin as well gets a really cool little moment in this with this recapping. Austin wasn't allowed in the Rumble. Uh, then Vince eventually yielded and let Austin in the Rumble because he caused so much chaos. Yeah. Like he ruined everything. Austin was taking advantage over the new person who's ruining things in WWF. Guess who the new commissioner is, Billy? No idea whatsoever. After Foley was gone, Vince was running things from day to day. And then Al Snow started lobbying for Foley to get his job back because mm-hmm. he's like, well, I, well, Foley needs to be the commissioner. I know I got hurt during his time here, but it's like he's the best man for the job. And he ended up wrestling William Regal for the commissionership, which Regal cheated in. And out of the fucking blue, Chilly Willy Regal becomes the commissioner of the WWF. Really? Yeah. He's the matchmaker. He has got an office that has tea and crumpets and a little flag. And he's like on the phone to the Queen going, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. Does really. he still wrestle? Yes. Yeah. And he kind of, he makes, I remember I told you now it's kind of a heel show. And what was nice is that it wasn't like Steph and Triple H with Hummus booking the matches. Because yeah. that had been done. It was Regal who was 
like blatantly in the pocket of Vince, even though he was like, oh, I'm fair and impartial. But yeah, I'll pretend to kiss your mistress to get the heat mm. off you, Vince. <laughs> and Austin and Regal as well. Can yeah. you imagine? That? Like Regal once <laughs> tried to stop Austin from like coming into the building, and he was like, like right in front of his uh, like pickup truck. He's like, no, Steve, no, you're not allowed. No, and he got on top. He's like, no, Steve, you're not allowed. And like, Austin drove full force <laughs> into a dumpster, and Regal goes. <laughs> It was great. Regal like had black eyes all the time. Yeah, and just always. A great fucking figure to have in here. Undertaker and Kane here in this one as well. It's the whose side are they on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Austin has the comeback and The Rock. It just feels like, you know, he needs to win. Time it's, it's very rare that you have a rumble where there's this much story going into it. Mm. Yes, that's so the one you, many different, different stories. You want different yeah. story. You want it to be fucking Seinfeld, don't you? You want concurrent storylines that all get tied up in this one kind of little thing at the end, you know? I mean, I like, just look at the past two Royal Rumbles where the story going in is we know who's going to win this rumble yeah. and that you're not going to like it. But yeah. 30 it, men, it. one logical winner. <laughs> 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 one hour. <laughs> Fink does the rules, and in a Royal Rumble first, I don't think he got mocked. No. He did not get mocked. No, but um, as he's doing the um, the, the, the rules, the, I notice a sign behind him which says Coon Ass. Coon Ass. I have no idea why you would bring a sign to the Royal Rumble which said Coon Ass. Weird. Well, seeing as Jim Ross says one of those words on at least once a week, yeah. <laughs> I guess that might explain it. I guess he's just normalised the word and people think it's okay now. You Maybe. Know? Number one entry in the Royal Rumble, the young high flyer, Jeff Hardy. And straight away as he's coming out, they're like, oh, Shawn Mackles came in number one as well. They started doing this with Jeff. It became a thing in 2001-2 where they started going, he could be the next Shawn Michaels. Because Lord knows Shawn Michaels can't be the next Shawn Michaels at the moment. Pretty cool. A bit of a giant fucking millstone to have on your back though and almost eerie how accurate that would become really like in terms of the way Jeff's career panned we're out still waiting. Problems. we're still kind of in the 2001 kind of wait for him to find God and then he'll come back to WWE yeah again, he didn't but... find God after that victory road debacle according to Sting he just rode his bike lots and got healthy again no he found Willow is what he found oh right? Jesus Christ and who's number two in this Royal Rumble contest He's young, he's mean, he's a stud. It's Billy Buckfast Cannon. He's coming out here looking like a badass. Bull runs to the ring and removes his tie. Pace yourself, you big fucking Aegis. <laughs> like, fucking, he's going to get a cramp or something like in the first five minutes. Standard stuff to start us off, but I yeah. think we had a WWF title match with a lot of interference. Let's all take a Stop break. Slow, build yeah. it up. Cool down. Bull Buchanan will cool the crowd down a little bit. Uh, standard stuff back and forth. Number three hits though, and who is it but young Matt Hardy joining his brother? They double team and quickly eliminate Bull Buchanan. Damn, one stud less in this Royal Rumble. Matt and Jeff then look at each other and immediately wrestle. Adam, I thought the Hardys were as tight as it gets. In the Royal Rumble match, it's every man for himself. Every man for himself. Every man for himself. Thirty man over the top rope. Every man. Number four comes out, and it's Farouk. I wonder if he had his two beers. <laughs> it's Farouk just coming out with his dick in his hand. <laughs> they double team and eliminate Farouk. This is pretty much like a fucking uh, a domination here. Yeah. Farouk does look like a bit of a jabroni here. He gets the twist of fate and the swanton. He tries but, to go for the dominator, but it uh, inevitably doesn't yeah, happen. The Hardys also fuck up. Well, I say the Hardys. Jeff fucks up a poetry emotion. Oh, badly, yeah. Like He, he, steps, he steps on Matt, but he's... He's supposed to step on Matt in the very centre of his yeah, back. He gets him slightly yeah. to the side Overshot. and just completely just ruins the move. 
The ring clear once again. The Hardys undress and square off. Number five, it's Drew. <laughs> Drew Carey, a Hall of Fame worthy entrance. Yeah. The annoying fan has a Drew 316 sign. Are you saying boo or Drew? <laughs> the Hardy boys, as Drew is kind of wandering around, shaking hands, high-fiving for like the full two minutes, the Hardy boys eliminate themselves. Drew Carey is the only person mm-hmm. in the Royal Rumble at this moment. And to celebrate, he does what can only be described as the truffle shuffle. Yeah. yeah. Number six. Kane! I fucking love JR's reaction here because it just goes, eh, and his pyro goes off. <laughs> oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Drew immediately asks like the referees for help. <laughs> love it. Like Asking anybody at all who's out there help me please yeah. Kane comes out stares down Drew Carey and like Kane just looks superhuman here he looks like something from a movie or something mm. it's amazing Drew does the old Patterson offers him oh, the, oh, the five dollars yeah. like yeah. you J- should offer him five dollars <laughs> <laughs> JR calls Drew Carey a pork chop and uh, a big old pork and chop and then King theorises his blood type is ragu which is a big old call, call back to uh Dozens of pay-per-views, Do- I think, really said that. Who yeah. said Blood Type is Ragu? It was someone Paul like Barra. Paul Barra. Paul Barra, that it was it. might be JR, actually. That was it, yeah. Um, as much as people piss all over Drew Carey, being in the Rumble, being in the Hall of Fame, I will say, as both a kid and as a grown-ass man, this just made me laugh. Yeah. Played mm-hmm. to perfection. So fucking funny. Number seven comes out and it's Raven who immediately attacks Kane with weapons and unwittingly saves Drew Carey who looks like he's getting set up for the chokes yeah. and like as Raven's running out Jim Ross like my god Drew Carey's gonna be he's gonna be killed <laughs> and Drew eliminates himself and gets mm-hmm. out of Dodge I love this the one caveat though I will say about it is that it didn't it could have literally been anyone yeah yeah there was nothing special about it being Drew Carey so like Drew like anything he did here was it wasn't like this wasn't there was clearly a Patterson spot and like that was just it put together yeah. from yeah. really funny really good use of a celebrity with seemingly no intrinsic value to the show yeah. I'm just saying because it's not like Drew Carey's kind of like oh Drew Carey's on the show well we're obviously going to be we're off to the races here yeah. I thought they made Kane look good and it was funny worthy of a Hall of Fame induction god no, no. definitely no, no, not no, no. This, I mean I know it's the celebrity wing but this guy doesn't even love his mother Raven with his leather leader hosen. Yeah. He looks weird. fucking bush league here. Really weird. It's a real shame because I remember when Raven debuted on the podcast, I was kind of like, oh, and Raven's here. And the back of my mind was, don't go talking about Raven because you're not going to see him like at yeah. all. And Raven's just pissing around in the undercard, chanting for the hardcore belts, which he... I think he wins shortly after this pay-per-view. He ends up winning because yeah. of a, a, a fluky... Um, a fluky booking by William Regal or whatever. Yeah, Raven looks bush league here. He looks really stupid. I guess so. But is Drew Carey's favorite wrestler technically Raven now? I'm wondering. I get it. He doesn't. He doesn't watch wrestling, Kevin. He doesn't I, care. I bet if you ask Raven, he probably says, "Ah, Drew Carey, I'm his favorite wrestler. <laughs> I saved him from Kane." Al Snow just appears. Yeah, out of nowhere. Al had been written off because of the Cinderblock storyline or whatever, where he got injured. And he comes in and he uh, beats up on Raven. But he disappears before the buzzer goes. Mm. Yeah. And then the buzzer just goes. And then nothing happens. No theme music, nothing. Just, oh, so like, 
And then Jay just says, and now Al Snow is officially in the match. Yeah. He literally, he ruined his own return. It was only like a few week turnaround, but he ruined his own return. Why wouldn't, why? You, wait, why wouldn't you just wait for the I theme? I don't know. Surely that's a, that's a better moment to do it. Really? Yeah, the music could play. You could go, yeah, it's Al Snow. Runs to the ring, gets some fire. But no. Did you notice in this Royal Rumble, looking back to these old ones, the Royal Rumble now is very much five, four, three, two, one. And mm. music pits, runs out to the ring, signature spots, and then is either eliminated and does no, or does nothing for a few more Sits minutes. Sits down in the corner, yeah. No one gets like the big kind of finisher flurry in this match no, in the main no. adventures, which is quite interesting. Al Snow turns this into a straight up hardcore brawl. Raven's yeah. got the breechty full of weapons. Al's got his bowling ball. I love the gimmick here with Al the bowling ball. He did this a lot at the time where he would just take it out, roll it into the nuts of mm-hmm. his component sitting down. Um, he throws. He finds a, a, a trash can, which obviously that's that's a, that's a standard thing. Yeah. It's full of rubbish, though. Yeah. Like, it's just under ring. But it's full of, I was hoping for a run in from Frank the Trash Man Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> Al's gonna start eating loads of trash. <laughs> the bowling ball gimmick I do love. Although if you've seen on Botchamania that one time where someone did it in an indie and they put the chair over the balls, thinking that oh it's gonna make a big clatter noise, and instead the ball just rolled up to the chair and hit the guy in the fucking oh. mouth. Oh, oh my god! Yeah. Because Raven takes it here and he, it's really smart. He rolls it and the Raven just, just as the ball comes in, he, he tucks Pinches his neck and he yeah. goes, Arr, My balls! <laughs> Why'd you do that? <laughs> as a kid, this was the best thing ever. Like, Royal Rumble was like the most exciting match of the year because it's like 30 guys and then they just fill the ring with all this shit. And it's like, Oh, you can't do that at the Royal Rumble. <laughs> There's no DQs. Brilliant. It's like a match within a match. Mm. Alan Raven double trash can Kane when he just simply won't go down. They're yeah. beating Kane over and over. Kane, uh, you can tell right now, is is looking like a fucking horse in this one. Yes. I'm loving it. Number nine, it's Perry Crisps. Sorry, Perry Saturn, who begins to work the leg of Kane immediately. It was really fucking awesome to see uh, Perry coming in mm-hmm. with his leg-focused offense, doing like submissions and stuff. Kane, though, dominates all the guys. Like, they can't get him down. Three on one, Raven's got him in a sleeper. Perry's got the leg vine. Al is bashing him in the face with the sign. What a monster. He won't go down. Yeah. The last three months have done so much for Kane's character. Mm -hmm. As in, you could have conceivably done a Kane title run around this point. Because he was so fucking over here. Number 10, continuing our hardcore trend, it's Steve Blackman who sticks everyone with his little bag of sticks. Number 11, guess who's back? Back again. Grandmaster Sexy has been hired. (laughs) He's back after his injury. Won't be here for much longer, folks. When he came out, I was watching this with Alice and she had no idea who this guy was, but she just took one look at him and went, (laughs) Who's that? Hey, everybody, I'm back. Hey everybody, I'm gone! Because eliminated straight away by yeah. Kane. Sad about Grandmaster Sexy. He did a little tag team with Blackman around this point then. It was just Head Cheese 2.0. Mm. And he was gone again very mm. shortly thereafter. We didn't get the big Too Cool reunion, unfortunately. Nah. Which is kind of sad seeing as how over Too Cool were. Yeah. And unfortunately, because of Grandmaster going, the light heavyweight division being nothing... No more Scotty, really, yeah, either. Yeah. And I think maybe now is just a good moment to maybe just reflect. I thought Too Cool were a great fucking act. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Too much of King of the Ring 98 were creepy and weird, and they just became so over, so memorable. Yeah. Anyone who was a fan from 2000, a lot of people who were lapsed fans, will remember these guys wholeheartedly. 
I really wish that post two call Scotty got a gimmick change and actually had a bit of time to work. Yeah, Scotty like, stayed around for ages, but he was like just a hand. Yeah. You know, he was a, a, a jobber basically. He yeah. did he did that job for like until like two thousand and five or six. He was there for a long time. Grandmaster would go and then come back again. Jim Ross's last act as head of talent as a favour to Jerry was he rehired Grandmaster, but he was gone again in a matter mm-hmm. of weeks. So yeah, kind of a sad end to yeah. the yeah. story. Wimper. Seeing them back together at NXT and stuff recently was nice. But yeah. the stuff of Rikishi stubbing them at the Hall of Fame yeah. makes me wonder like what happened with these three guys? It's sad. Something weird went down. Definitely. Blackman attempts to skin the cat and gets a lid shot by Kane. So Kane eliminates Steve Blackman. Kane eliminates Al Snow. Kane eliminates Raven. Kane eliminates Perry Saturn. My God, Kane is playing as Perry Saturn on No Mercy and has taped down the A and B buttons and is eliminating everyone and has gone to make a cup of tea. Kane stands alone in the ring. Who could possibly stand up to this monster? Damn face off, and I can't get a dick on. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
the biggest prick in wrestling. Honestly, I fucking like, hate this Inexplicably, inexplicably <laughs> Jerry Lawler is really happy to see him. Yeah. <laughs> Even though from the shoot interviews we've watched, Honky Tom Man and Jerry Lawler, though being shoot cousins, mm. are not friends we at hate all. Each other. What was the payoff that Honky Tonk Man... Honky Tonk Man worked Memphis and was expecting to get paid a payoff of at least a thousand dollars. This is what it was. He was expecting to get a thousand because he'd sold out all these shows. Jerry gave him his check and the way he said he's like, he gave him my check and I looked at it. 9.99. 9.99. And he goes, how about that? Your first thousand dollar week. I look at this motherfucker in his eyes. His dumb, stupid, cunt, whore, bitch wife stood next to him. Her name was Paula. <laughs> he is the worst human. Yeah, just, it's a just, vile just bag him, of hate. What he said about fucking Bret Hart. Making yeah. fun of a man for having a stroke. Mm-hmm. And Sean, if you weren't Vince's boy, Toy, you'd, you'd be, be gone. gone. <laughs> you knew it. Everybody knows it. <laughs> And if you want to see uh, Kevin do an impression of that with Honky Tonk Man riding a dinosaur, head over to our YouTube account. I forgot that happened. The only time you get to tie with Honky Tonk Man. Mm. I mean, i got to say, i got to hand it to him. A man who's made a career out of not bumping and burning every conceivable bridge. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, uh, he will go in the Hall of Fame. He will. He will. Oh, it, absolutely. it will happen. Absolutely. He's turned them down. Mm. Fucking ridiculous. Think of that. He's, he's it's not a Hall of Fame to quote the Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> it's not a Hall I got good dinner. I got nice limousine. And then got a stupid fucking $20 plaque I left in the hotel room. <laughs> it's not a Hall of Fame. <laughs> so Honky Tonk Man comes out here. He tends to lead a sing-along. Which I love because the only person singing along is Jerry. I'm the rest of Honky Tonk Man. I'm cool. I'm cocky. I'm bad. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. He turns around and Kane just bashes him in the face oh, with a guitar. It's so cathartic. Really? I don't cathartic. think there's, any, there's anyone watching this who doesn't wish they could hit Honky Tonk Man with a yeah. guitar. And Honky Tonk goes down like a ton of fucking bricks. I loved this so much. You get a close-up on his face immediately after the guitar shot, and he literally looks dead. Like, he's just completely closed off and still motionless. It was a receipt for when he hit Jake Roberts over the head with a shoot guitar and knocked him out. Number 13, it's The Rock. Can I just say, the pacing in this rumble is incredible. You had the kind of feud with all the mid-card guys at the start, the hardcore stuff, then the bit of comedy here, and straight away it's boom, serious, Rock and Kane, two men in the ring. Fucking love it. Big stars coming out now. The Rock tees off on Kane, but he cannot eliminate him, even with the, the house on fire. And I do like that, because usually if The Rock would come out in a rumble nowadays, say, he would just, you know, clear ten the finishers, ring. clear the ring. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, Kane regains control, however, his number 14 comes out, and it's the good father representing right to censor who immediately gets eliminated by yeah. The Rock. <laughs> good father was in for about 10 seconds, I think. Yeah. And bear this in mind, Godfather's gone in after like 10 seconds, and J.R.R. and King are like, huh, he's gone after 10 seconds. What an idiot, you yeah. know? Really taking it hard. Kane does a very grunty suplex, I would say, uh, grunt-worthy indeed. Yeah, when he's uh, working over the rock and JR goes, Kane, a carnivore chewing on a piece of rock burger. So he's had his pork chop, Drew Carey, and now, yeah, and now yeah. a nice rock burger. He's going to have indigestion. It's a good menu. Hooking up the rock. Oh my God. Right into a huge suplex. Number 15. 
It's Taz. It's Taz. Oh no, Taz is eliminated. What happens here? Did you watch the network version yes. like I did? Oh, yeah. there's a weird glitch here or something like that. I, is this a network thing? Or I, is this... Because what happens is we get... Taz runs in, runs into Kane's hand, gets eliminated. Mm-hmm. There's then a three-second blackout and all the sound goes. Yeah. Then we see a replay of Taz, of, being, of, Taz being eliminated, but without sound. And then it just go, it kind of like jumps three seconds into the match. It's technical glitch, I think. Like the animation on the replay thing is all fucked up. And I'm not sure. I mean, I had this on DVD previously, and I don't recall this happening. Yeah, I mean, he's. So it could, be, a, a network it could be a network glitch, or the, I I can't think of anything they would need to edit out here because this, this is point. this is quite a memorable moment for me. I remember laughing at this as a kid because it's just dun dun dun. Dun, dun, eliminations. Dun, dun, dun. And Taz just walks so forcefully to the ring and then he's eliminated and walks forcefully yeah. to the back of the ring. Arrive, cash, paycheck, leave. It's so sad. 12 months after his debut. This is like a no mercy elimination with your music still playing. Yeah. Taz at the Rumble in 2000. Goosebumps. Incredible moment. He was in tears after it. You know, Paul Heyman you know, was in tears. It was an emotional, amazing moment. 2001 Rumble Taz. Sad. Dropped out in five seconds. And as he walks back to the to the locker room, he walks past a sign that says, my crap is bigger than Taz. Like, it's so sad. sad. Really. And as well, because like, when Godfather got eliminated, they're like, oh, what an idiot in ten seconds. And Taz, I'm like, oh, oh Taz goodness. didn't even get a chance. He didn't even get, he wasn't ready. He didn't get a go. Ah, let your brother play. Ah. <laughs> it's fucking horrible. And you know, at Rebellion, we had pointed out Taz had started doing commentary at this point. Mm. And I would question Taz's decision to do commentary and then continue as a wrestler where they're going to like put him at right, right, right at the rock bottom. Mm-hmm. As in Taz ain't winning the hardcore belt, folks. Mm. You know, right at the very bottom. It's really sad. Number 16, it's Bradshaw who immediately delivers a clothesline from hell to The Rock. The nice. stiffest fucking clothesline. Yeah. yeah, seriously. The Rock's pecs go to his back after this. Yeah. fucking horrible. <laughs> Number 17, and it's Albert. And due to the canoodling between Trish Stratus and Vince McMahon, TNA have actually split up. It was really cool how it happened. Trish just like stopped showing up on Raw as she was having soup with Vince. And Tina kind of like, what's what's the point? Like, you know, where is she? Like, we're not, you know. And then she kind of showed up, and she was like, really like, not interested because Vince has like bought her a fur coat and diamond earrings, and she has her own locker room now that uh. they're not allowed in. So Albert ended up turning on Test because she had like played off against Test, saying like, you know, I picked you first. I, you're obvious, and you're Canadian. You're obviously my preferred one. Mm. But it was a swerve, and Albert ended up beating up Test. So Albert and Trish had a brief alliance around this point, but it's just kind of Albert's a baddie, Test is now a goodie. But yeah, TNA okay. are done and dusted. Wow. TNA were someone I look back and as a kid, I was like, well, they're just pointless henchmen. But looking back now, I thought they were reliable heavies. Never won the belt, but I don't think they ever needed the belt. But if you needed two mean dudes to help out the corporate guys, or two guys just to intimidate someone or you know stop Trish getting you know beaten up by Leah I thought it was a great act TNA Tristratus I really thought it worked well they filled that role excellently like it's one of these things that was like you say it was never going to be anything other than what it was it was just you know two guys that could you know be fitting into these different scenarios but they were fucking good at it definitely 
Number 18, how do you like me now? It's Hardcore Holly. The ring is slowly getting stiffer with all these people yeah. going into it. Like, the fans really lose their shit anytime The Rock goes near the edge. Because I'll tell you this now, this may ruin rumbles for you if you're a new fan, but if someone's near the ropes and you're going, hey, yeah, 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 no one has ever been eliminated after yeah. five minutes of grunting in the corner, <laughs> catching their breath. Yet every time The Rock is over in the corner with like <gasps> hardcore holly. Or if he's getting, there's a Kane so nearly gets eliminated at this moment and, and they, they proper go really excited for um, The Rock then as well. It goes opposite way. Because well. they're. It shows how over these guys are. Yeah. Like people really... But, like, lads, Bob Holly's not eliminating The Rock. No, don't Calm man. down, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Number 19, Kane Quick. Road Dog. He's very much gone. Yeah. People wonder why we didn't do a big, like, retrospective of Road Dog at the end of the uh, of the, the last episode with Road Dog going. I think that we've had the New Age Outlaws are over chat and we had chatted about enough about Road Dog that I think we we had kind of hit There's all the points. There's nothing we could really say about no, it. No, he didn't really do anything much. To, he didn't accomplish anything after Outlaws, so we've said it all before. There's really. no point in beating a diggity diggity dizzed horse, you know? <laughs> That's just the way it is. It's, <laughs> I like the idea, though, that Road Dog is kind of... He's gone, but not forgotten. And Kay Quick has to run out now with the Get Ready music and do both stanzas. <laughs> yeah. I just imagine Road Dog appearing in a haze of bong smoke before Kay Quick. You must get rowdy, Simba. <laughs> <laughs> the ring is full. Big moves start coming here now. Poor Kay Quick, however. Do you notice him getting singled out by Bradshaw? Yeah. yeah. Brad went straight for him. Nice powerbomb, Bradshaw. Fucking breaks his back. It was perfectly... <laughs> Because now's the perfect time for some hazing. In the middle of the <laughs> in Royal, a, in Rumble. A Royal Rumble match. Where his ties it gets, but like in the Royal Rumble, every man must be hazed by Bradshaw. <laughs> Number 20 coming out. It's Val Venus. And it's pointed out that Kane has reached the 30-minute mark. Mm. Fucking hell. And at this point, the bullying of 4K Quick. Brad does a move which he's never done before. He essentially dump tackles K-Quick. He just like literally runs into him and just shoves him on top of his fucking face. Like He just splatters him across the ring. This starts to slow down now. Getting towards the layer numbers. The ring is filling up. Number 21. It's Chili Willy Regal. Running. Waving. Waving some more. Nothing really happens actually for this. It's again, ring is full. People are yeah, pairing There's, there's a moment where Bradshaw saves The Rock from being eliminated. Why? I no idea. Val's about to eliminate him, and then Bradshaw just pushes Val over as if he's got the rocks back. It makes no sense at all. Ridiculous. Number 22, and now face, it is a test. Who comes out to pure silence? Yeah, crooked. And I thought it was a pretty hot angle because they had, like, you know, Trish and Albert, like, fucked over Tess big time. And Tess doesn't even go for Albert immediately. He goes after Regal. He eliminates mm -hmm. Regal straight away and then goes for Albert. Well, I thought. Given that feud, he should have went yeah, straight yeah. in there, you know? Number 23, full-ass ring. Well, well, it's the big show. Oh, there, get him. It's like a man playing with children. Oh, a one-armed toe slam. Well, he's put on some weight, hasn't he? Yeah. He's fucking huge. He was sent away all the way, way, way back after Judgment Day. He was gone for a little bit, then he came back and I thought he was going to align with Shane. Mm -hmm. Ended up getting thrown off the stage by The Undertaker and thrown straight into OVW where he was basically given the rematch, please get better. Yeah. <laughs> 
His conditioning apparently was too bad. Mm. He had lost a bit of weight during his championship run, but apparently even then he was getting gassed. And if you're gassed and seven foot and five hundred pounds, you're a fucking liability. Yeah. yeah. But now it seems like he's he looks massive. He looks like fucking twice the size that he did in Survivor Series ninety nine. Mm. How does that happen? How do you go away and then get brought back? And you're fat. Like, new and improved is not a phrase we would use to describe no. Big Show here. He eliminates Test and K quick, to which Jim Ross replies, It's like a man playing with children. <laughs> Famous line. Like, I, I remember like hearing that years and years and years ago when YouTube first became a thing. So like, fucking funny. It's up there with Mark Henry's handling the Big Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> or jerking Triple H off. The oh, top rope, like. Choke slams the boo to everyone. But the rock. And Kane gets one. The Rock looks like he's about to get one, but he reverses it and then starts laying the smack down in Big Show. And Big Show is actually gone before the next person is out. Really surprised. I, I, I was expecting he was going to eliminate more than two people. Yeah, because I were watching this and going, wow, Big Show was dominant though. But he only eliminated two people. He just flattened everyone else out. He flattened everyone, yeah. but he did fuck all. And yeah. the idea is that he's new and improved and he's like, he does worse than he did in the previous. Yeah. I, I thought it was a good appearance. I thought he came out, he looked dominating, you know, he slammed everyone, hit his finisher, and then, you know, he did get thrown out immediately, but it's an easy paycheck for him. And I, I guess, and afterwards as well, the real story is that he drags out the rock and he mm. chokeslams him through the, the table. Spot, yeah. So the rock kind of does get taken out of it uh, he's not eliminated the rock but he has been locked out for, for the time being do you reckon his re-debut was a callback to St. Valentine's Day Masco where he turns up fucks up yeah. <laughs> seriously like re-debut re-fuck up like. yeah. number 24 comes out and it's Crash Holly the mid-card gangs up on Kane leave him alone for pity's sake Kane's like all being ganged up on it's like 40 minutes Kane has been in the match it feels like he's like could be going for a record here mm. certainly for eliminations he's on track at this point Number 25, rolling, 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 big evil dead man incorporated bugger reds. Whose side are they on? Not yours. <laughs> <laughs> They're together. They fight the world. They eliminate Bradshaw, Crash, Albert, Hardcore Holly and Val Venus. Get back to the intercontinental and European title scenes respectively. <laughs> what do you think about Kane the Undertaker? together again this is the best ever I think the best Brothers of Destruction mm. like because they both you know they look different to how they did back when they did it in 98 so yep. it feels fresher they've both got new mean, looks both faces Kane spent months now being pushed in a decent way and looking like a monster Undertaker again you know looking like a badass they're both faces and if I remember correctly they stay aligned together for fucking ages now yeah it's, it's quite it, it is the when people say Brothers of Destruction, Kane the Undertaker, this is actually the bit that they refer to. Yeah. And I know whose side is it on seems quite annoying, but this is them together as a team now for a good stretch. Yeah. And it really helps out both of the characters that they have this kind of you know reference point. You know? Awesome. It's really, really cool. And of course, seeing them te teaming up together as a tag team. As an actual tag team in matches Fucking and stuff. Incredible What are your thoughts, Billy? Remains to be seen, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Because this is just the start of it and not a whole lot happens with that dynamic in mm -hmm. this match. But it's Remains good. to be seen. Yeah. It's really cool though and they, it's a cool moment when they've cleared the ring like that and there's the two of them standing off and Jim Ross goes, and now what? And now what? And now what? <laughs> Kane and Taker stare down. Kane has now been in for 45 fucking minutes. Mm -hmm. And number 26... 
It's poor old Scotty too high. He looks so frightened. I bet he was so happy when he got that number earlier. <laughs> There's something about a man coming out to a song going, banging it, banging it, banging it, get your booty round. <laughs> and he's just looking like I'm walking into a gas chamber or a fire pit. <laughs> I will I am dying. Like it is so fucking sad. He gets the double choke slam immediately from Kane and Taker. The crowd, however, at this point, I thought, were they a little dead? Yeah, I don't get it, because at this point, I thought, like, this was brilliant. This has been a real hot. Been a real comedy rumble as well, like, you know, between the honky-tonk man, a bowling ball to the nuts, like... It's a rare occasion when I was popping and the TV was not. Yeah. Yes. I don't get why, maybe it's the crowd couldn't see Scotty's face as clearly as us, so they couldn't get that he was fucking shitting himself. And I think the crowd were majorly pissed, seeing from their reaction that The Rock had been laid out. Uh, and it was yeah. probably unclear if he was in the match or not. There's no commentators there to clarify. Exactly. Yeah. The Rock starts stirring, though, however, after Scotty is thrown over the top rope. And number 27, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Can you believe this? Rock, Austin, Kane, Undertaker. What a fucking f- pairing this is. The pop. Austin definitely is on track now. His, his momentum and his return can't be denied. Mm-hmm. You know, Forget Rikishi, forget the silliness with dropping people off cars or whatever. Austin is over and Austin is here to win the Royal Rumble. Triple H, however, blindsides Austin and it's a real intense brawl. They go right up the stage, beating each other hard. Austin gets busted open. Gallons of blood coming out of him. He's, he's wearing the crimson mask. And it's awful because Austin's like, you think he's here. He's, he's in the late 27. Surely he's going to do it, and Triple H just once again steals Austin's yeah. moment from him. So The Rock battles Kane and The Undertaker on his own, as Austin battles Triple H on the outside. Number 28, coming to you live from WWF New York, eating a meatball sandwich. It's the one Billy Gunn. He pegs it to the ring. Yeah. He looks so rubbish. But he runs to the ring so fast, his music is like, dan, dan. he's in the ring. That's it. <laughs> we don't even get the... Dan, with the saxophone serious who's gonna win it except Billy yeah come on (laughs) number 29 and a big surprise many surprises Mm. chills and spills in this rumble an unexpected one note to the future this is how you do it not the recent rumble where there were more surprises than guys on the roster everyone who should be in this gets in it but coming out number 29 it's fucking Haku the scariest motherfucker on the planet it's crickets and birds chirping when he comes out because people don't realise that it's actually him because he looks slightly different to how he would have in the WWF but this is, you know, fucking Meng, Haku, you know, this is it, like, and he's here. He was in WCW and the WCW Hardcore Champion and he it was one of the last defections of the Monday Night Wars that Haku just appeared in the Rumble with... Just cause. <laughs> as a child and as a grown man now, I have no idea who Haku is. Really? Well, let me school you, sir. Billy Keel, <laughs> man of a thousand knowledges. Haku is widely regarded as the toughest son of a bitch shoot by nearly every sort of old school wrestler. Right. Um, I've got two stories for you and two quotes. Oh. Um, first story, 1987. Haku had a backstage fight with a wrestler called Jesse Barr which allegedly resulted in him gouging out one of his eyeballs. And then Jesse Barr had a glass eye. And then Jesse Barr got fired for it. What? (laughs) Another incident, he uh, got in a fight um, with a a, a gang of guys at Baltimore Airport who called wrestling fake. And during the fight, he bit the nose off one of the men. Don't fight Haku. 
Right. So, You'll lose a part of your face yeah. specifically. Yeah. Um, two quotes. Uh, this first one is from Jake Roberts. So, if I had a gun and was sitting inside a tank with one shell left and Meng, Haku, is 300 yards away, he's mine, right? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is jump out the tank and shoot myself. <laughs> because I don't want to wound that son of a bitch and have him pissed off at me. Wow. And one from Bobby Heenan. He talks extensively about him and referred to him as the toughest man he's ever met. The most extremely extreme story he shared was in regards to a bar fight in which he claimed Meng took his two fingers on his right hand, his index finger and trigger finger, and he reached into the guy's mouth and he broke off the guy's bottom teeth. Oh! Wowzers trousers! And like, if you just go on his Wikipedia page and just look at notoriety, the notoriety section, just extensive lists. Good lord. I have a funny feeling that if I ever decide to do how to haku for how to wrestling, that it's just going to be a long list of gasps. Yeah. <laughs> but what this a tough guy man. is a tough son of a bitch. Like, Seriously. He's a, in the ring, he's a professional through and through. Oh, yeah. Like, he's, he's a great wrestler and, and he will do loads of stuff. He'll, he'll put you over. He'll do absolutely anything. Oh, yeah. But if you fuck with him outside of the ring. <laughs> If you tell him wrestling's fake, he's going to destroy you. As in, I would say almost he supersedes The Undertaker in terms of locker room leader reputation, as in wow. that's the guy, as in he'll sit in the corner and kind of hit, it's his yard, if you know what Blimey. I mean. I'm a big fan of Haku. It was kind of, you know, it was nice to see him back. It's weird. Yeah. He rarely got that kind of someone from the 80s has come back. Mm. You know, because a lot of the 80s guys went over to WCW, but it's not as if they were coming back. To WWF, you know, when you talk about you know the Bobby Heenans and the Hakus and Hogans and Savages and whatnot, it felt like those guys were were gone and forgotten gone about. It was a real nice kind of throwback, and Jim Ross loses his shit. The yeah. crowd don't know what's going on. No. Haku just throws these sick chops nonstop to Kane and Undertaker, just nonstop chops. And number thirty, the last man in the Rumble, and a man who goes on to form an alliance with Haku. He's a bad man, Rakishi. Ra. <laughs> Rikishi and Austin have a big brawl though, however, Austin runs out to meet him, he is a house on fire, covered in blood, yeah. beats the shit out of Rikishi, I was like standing up and punching the air, the crowd however didn't seem like uh, it was really on board with this, uh, yeah. Austin comes back in the ring and eliminates Haku and Rikishi eats a choke slam. Rikishi however, super clicks and eliminates The Undertaker, really I, surprising, I nearly stood up and left the room when I was watching this, <laughs> like, as you know, I'm not the greatest Undertaker fan in the world, but for some, I know how important the Undertaker is. Yeah, Rikishi. Yeah, fucking Rikishi to to eliminate him. And that's kind of Taker's feud, really. Taker and Kane, Haku and Rikishi, as a result of this, is kind of what carries us for the next few weeks afterwards. But it does seem funny that Undertaker has been eliminated from the Royal Rumble by Maven and Rikishi. It's like it's weird, it's weird isn't yeah. it? I will say though, no, it's a lot less dead man hate tonight. Um, I don't know if he's kind of coming round to us or if he's less lame or. I think maybe we've just already got all of that off our, our chest. chest. Yeah, and now yeah, we're kind I of like so. okay with it again. So yeah, Undertaker's gone. Can't believe it. Rikishi doesn't have his shell necklace on and it's really distracting. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Yeah, that. I didn't see his. I don't want to see your neck. The Rock is set up for their bonsai drop, but Rikishi gets reversed. He hits a low blow and just dumps him over the top rope. So we're down to Billy, Rock, Austin, and Kane. And as Rikishi's being eliminated, all he hears, <laughs> and <it's> Undertaker's <laughs> driving off. Like, how distracting. 
Billy Gunn reverses the stunner and hits the famous sir. As if. As if. Ridiculous, mate. Well, here's your receipt. He immediately gets eliminated by Austin. Gets <laughs> up and do it. But I hit you the famous sir. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing special wizard armor that makes me immune to mid-card finishers. <laughs> oh, Austin the Rock, once again, for the third time in three episodes, yeah. lock eyes. And King goes, the Great Wall and the Rattlesnake one-on-one. At long last, I've waited years to see this. You're a fucking idiot, then, mate. <laughs> I've been so many I've times. I've initially waited days to see this. <laughs> Great back and forth, though. I mean, I'm, not, I'm saying they've done this a lot. I'm not saying it's bad, because it's still... Look at each other, big pop, back and forth, every time. hammering away, mm. every single time. The rock bottom is reversed into the Stone Cold Stunner. Austin then starts mounting a comeback on Kane, but eats a rock bottom from The Rock. More back and forth. Who's going to win this? The Rock and Austin are in the ropes, and Kane goes to eliminate them both. The Rock goes over, but Steve manages to hold on. And Kane thinks he's won the yeah. Royal Rumble. He's eliminated a record number of people at this moment with 11. Mm-hmm. And then Austin comes over and he's, oh, he's still in it. But Kane immediately gets a choke slam. Yeah, and at this point we finally get our grunt of the night as well. And a late, a late entry. A late entry. And also, this is a grunt that I'm amazed we haven't really acknowledged on the podcast before. Because it's a grunt that happens on every single pay-per-view. And I'd argue on every single episode of Monday Night Raw as well. When Austin runs into the choke slam from Kane, King on commentary just does an extra large <laughs> And that is going to be the grunt of the night, just in honour of the fact that we never really talk about Kane, like King's <laughs> Do you know, I think it was like WWE 2K12 or something like that, WWE 12 or 13, and I was like, the commentary seems way better, and it was because they, they, added, that they added it, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get so used to it, you kind of just overlook it. Yeah, but, um, it was like it was really a big part of that show. Like. Yeah, and this was an especially big one. If you'd like to include it here, Kevin Kane signals for the Tombstone Piledriver, aka it's signaling it's time for me to lose this match. Kane gets hit with a low blow, which Jim Ross calls an XFL-like punch. The only football game where we kick each other in the dick. <laughs> Where's my ball shots? <laughs> We're about fun. The extra ball shot league. More fucking brawling. Steve Austin hits the stunner, gets the chair. Three clattering shots heard around the world to Kane. Kane doesn't fall over. over. Kane's just kind of going like a zombie in a movie, tied up in the ropes. And Austin, Paul Heyman said, like, if you ever want to see why Austin's such an amazing wrestler, look at how he runs the ropes. Because then Heyman first saw Austin, he saw him as a Mm. kid run the ropes. And Austin, like, with. The speed of a bullet against these ropes, them all the momentum in the world, and he fucking smashes into Kane. He smashes into Kane so much that he almost nearly goes over. Yeah. You see, he kicks his legs up and gets himself back. Kane is eliminated in spectacular fashion. Stone Cold Steve Austin wins one of my favorite Royal Rumbles of all time. He's on the road to WrestleMania now. So it seems like it's going to be Austin and Kurt Angle, but there's a few roadblocks mm. before we get there, namely No Way Out ahead of us. But that was the Royal Rumble. What did you think of that contest, the Rumble itself, guys? 
best rumble ever in my opinion. Really? I, it's my absolute favourite. It's the it's so well paced and booked. It's the only rumble where at no point do I find myself looking at my watch like, come on, someone needs to come out already now. Yeah. Like the perfect person comes out at the perfect amount of time. You know when he said Chills like, and spills. You've like. just had Honky Tonk Man eliminated or whatever, and then the, and then the rock comes out afterwards. Like it's perfect decisions like that. Masterful psychology of kind of like this is a real roller coaster ride. Everything I like about wrestling is encapsulated in this one hour match. Absolutely. Like, what do you think of this rumble, Bill? Absolutely best rumble I've seen. Really? Yeah. Man, that's awesome. That's really, really good. I mean it was nice that it felt like there was a purity to this rumble almost in that Royal Rumble 99 obviously we were swerved but it was so fucking backwards with the McMahon Austin leaving coming back in Rumble 2000 there was no winner obviously other than The Rock this is just like mm, perfect that's how you do a fucking Royal Rumble and that's gonna do it for Royal Rumble 2001 one of the all time great pay-per-views in the books I have to say it's a show that I really love but I think there were a few angles that just didn't get me the right way. I, as I said, I do, I like the affair storyline with, with Vince and Stephanie. I don't like the kind of non-stop cat fighting and the non-stop Vince making out and having his arse touched on TV. I could do without that. The China neck thing, bad taste in my mouth. The concussion thing, I almost feel like, like after doing the China neck thing, the concussion thing, bad. it's like <laughs> it's no, no big deal. Yeah. I would actually kind of go, yeah, fine, no big deal. But that kind of, yeah, rubbed me the wrong way. But I really enjoyed this pay-per-view. I think it's one of the best of the Attitude Era. There's no bad match really on this card mm. tonight. You've got a lot of, of good stuff on display. Um, First three matches were a bit, you know, yeah. the, uh, with the constant concussion storylines and injury storylines. For me, if you're going to have that, don't, why would you put two on the same show and let alone... Yeah. Next to each other, back to back. Yeah, it's, so, it's like how last month we had like the multiple intergender yeah. angles going on. Now we've got multiple fake shoot storylines yeah. uh, with injuries. But then um, there's a couple of matches here. The I, I enjoyed the title match. It yeah. wasn't amazing. It, yeah. was, it was good. The rumble, the ladder, uh, the ladder match. match yeah. You know, it just it really saved itself. Because when I started, it, I thought, oh, this is going to be, you know, a bit of average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, overall, um, those three matches really, really saved the pay-per-view. Awesome, that's really great. Uh, Adam, looking back, I know this was one that was Nostalgia 2000 for you, but um, how did it stack up looking back as an adult at the Royal Rumble 2001? The show as a whole didn't hold up quite to the level of perfection. Because like, like you said, this, when I was younger, was one of those pay-per-views I would watch, you know, once, a, once every couple of months, yeah, you know, yeah. like, I loved it that much. Um, it doesn't hold up quite to that standard. There's a lot more problems with it than I thought. The actual wrestling that was on display was grand. I had no problem with any of the wrestling. It was more just like you said, the angles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of, I think it's one of those things that the good was so positively good and absolutely strong that the bad kind of you know, falls by the wayside a little bit. Yeah, definitely. They're in a white hot streak here at the moment. WCW is retching back and forth in his deathbed mm-hmm. as Vince prepares to deliver the killing blow and WrestleMania 17, mm-hmm. which is around the corner. All that's left for this one is Match of the Night MVP, Adam. Match of the Night, as much as I love the Rumble, and I think it is the best Rumble of all time, I want to give the match to the Match of the Night for an actual match, if you get me, not a gimmick match. Yep. Um, if it is a gimmick match, it's going to have to be Y2J and Benoit. Yeah, like, definitely. Just, Unbelievable performance. MVP. MVP came without a doubt. Yeah. To spend 
an hour in a Royal Rumble match where, to be honest, there's very few times I noticed Kane's resting on his laurels or sat on his laurels. He was a constant spot. He was constantly working throughout the night and doing decent spots as well. He wasn't phoning it in. In a big show, that's fucking cardio. Wearing that fucking mask for an hour in that ring. Big hair, yeah. like, yeah, dude, seriously. It was seriously. a career performance. Like, honestly, this was one of the most defining matches in Kane's career. Absolutely brilliant. Match tonight, MVP Billy. Match tonight, a special mention to Ben Jericho. But I think for me it was the Rumble. Just I was absolutely astonished by how good the Rumble was. Yeah. Uh, as for MB MVP Kane, yeah. like I said, like I said last month, they've made him. In, they've actually made him into a monster. Yeah. This, definitely, definitely. This has only cemented him as the monster yeah. in, in the roster at the moment. That's awesome. Um, and it was absolutely amazing. Him setting the record. Great moment for him because I, I feel like. I mean, obviously, Kane now in 2015, he's such a well-respected guy um, by everyone. But his obviously his match quality has, has gone a bit down. Yeah, yeah. It's um, nice to look back and see why nice he has that see, respect. Right? It's nice to see where he got that respect from. Definitely, yeah, Kevin. I was going to go rumble for a match of the night, but I do recall, and, and I, I've said that the ladder match is like one of my top ten matches of all time, and that rumble isn't. Uh, even though I think it's probably the best rumble of all time, I will have to go with the, the ladder match. But the rumble itself was incredible. And MVP, I'd say Steve Austin because I thought that Austin maybe had been mired with his comeback with kind of a really hokey storyline that really did him a disservice with the Triple H uh, swerve and the Rikishi thing. It just didn't really come together. Whereas this felt like this was Austin's proper comeback yeah. moment. And in those closing moments of that match, you remember why Austin is the star of the Attitude yeah. Era. The fire and the passion and just just look at him run the ropes when he's about to eliminate Kane, folks. That's all you need to see about Steve Austin. Mm -hmm. I thought he really did a great fucking job here. And if you can win a third Royal Rumble and it makes storyline sense and it still be exciting and cool and awesome, three times he won the Rumble. Mm, yeah. This is his third win. That is unheard of within the space of a few years. If someone said that Cena was going to win the Rumble three times over the last ten years, we'd be up in arms. Because yeah. yeah. that seems dull and boring. In three or four years, Austin wins it this many times. That's just how over the man is mm -hmm. and, how, yeah. and how much his character worked. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Attitude Era podcast and the last Royal Rumble of the Attitude Era. The end is near indeed. We're coming up next at No Way Out 2001 and three stages of hell await us. Oh... And, yes. and the battle to end all battles as Trish Stratus faces off against Stephanie McMahon. Oh dear. Neither can wrestle, but will we still see a match? <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see. And of course, The Rock will be challenging Kurt Angle for the championship as WrestleMania 17 starts to make shape and take form. Some thrills and spills along the way. We're going to be hitting some bonus episodes, hopefully. All this to do is thank you very much for listening. If you're listening on SoundCloud, iTunes, or on Stitcher Radio, make sure you're subscribed, get all these episodes direct. Leave a rating or review on iTunes. Those of you who've left us some ones recently helping us get up, really appreciate people taking the time to leave a rating or review for this podcast. It really, really helps things out immeasurably. And of course, if you want to keep in touch with us, the best way to do it on social media is Twitter, at AEPodcast. Tweet us, check us out as we're live tweeting Raw, Smackdown, pay-per-views, NXT takeover specials, all that stuff and the creamy centres in between. Get in touch on Twitter at AEPodcast. Fan art caption contest, send us a message or just chat around and see some spoofs and goofs. Facebook.com forward slash Podcast. Give us a like and take part in the Glad Gay community. 
youtube.com forward slash AE podcast. You can find some clips from our favorite moments of the podcast there put to video. Also, check out our Vine where you can find some little six second skits, scoops and goofs. Scoops. Scoops. Scoops and goofs galore on Vine at AE podcast. You can even see the annoying fan from this Royal Rumble. <laughs> Shaking Doing away. a little dance yeah. like. We want stuff and you better believe it. We want things because we desperately need it. We want stuff but you don't understand. You gotta go, 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 go to Bajamania. Andrew WK there? Oh, very good. <laughs> the, the lack Adam's of, face right now. I, the, the lack of the word party made that hard for me to get. <laughs> what I love to imagine is someone that sees this like, oh, Royal Rumble 2001, I might check out this out. He listens to the show and he's like, that was alright. He gets to the end, he's like, why is this What is going on? Botchmania.com. Also, do check out Calling Spots, wrestling's number one print publication. Available now from callingspots.com. We contribute regularly. You can get a subscription. Check it out. Amazing articles, in-depth analysis, reviews, and opinions on the world of wrestling at large. Two pounds an issue, and there are subscriptions available. Check them out. It's awesome stuff. Also, if you want to support the podcast monetarily, head over to selfie.com forward slash AE podcast. That's selfie spelled S-E-L-L-F-Y, not all of those kind of selfies. But if you go there, you can find some of our commentary tracks we've done over some classic wrestling movies, such as more serious things like Beyond the Mat and Wrestling with Shadows, to stuff like Scooby-Doo and the WrestleMania mystery. Download the file and play it in sync with the video track and you can hear our opinions live over the film. It's like us being in the room, ruining the movie for you in person. <laughs> <laughs> also, be sure to check out ProWrestlingTees.com. The Attitude of Podcast t-shirts are available to get there. $20 shipping to the UK and mainland US is possible as well. Support us by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash AE Podcast and getting yourself a hardcore Glad Game community t-shirt. Yeah. So I say goodbye from me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. We'll catch you next time, as there's going to be no easy way out of No Way Out 2001.